Hi, this is Dave Dorman, Star Wars artist extraordinaire, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. Have fun! <laughs> I don't have to tell you to do it again. I know. First take, hot take. Hot take. That's funny. Can't stop, won't stop. What's your hot take on this? <laughs> it's so weird. It is. You'd like to know my opinion? Right? Sure. Uh, I'll give you my opinion. My I hot have take. Been, I have something to say that might be unpopular with the way other people think. So that makes it hot. Yeah. It's weird. A few weeks ago, I went on a little rant on Twitter about the most absurd thing now is how everybody in media preempts their own news. They'll say, oh, three hours, and I got a scoop for you. Or, yes. Oh, and stay tuned tomorrow for the hottest story ever. And I'm, I'm like, I don't – if you're a member of the media with a story and you have breaking news, break the news. Don't, don't tell me you're going to break the news later, A, because you could get scooped. Which is against your job. And B, what do I fucking care? Like, I'll see the news when you break it. I'm already following you. Because otherwise I wouldn't have seen your tweet telling me to stay tuned. It's Twitter. I don't need to stay tuned. Like, I'll see it. Like, it's good. But anyway, so I went on that rant. And then on the NFL side of my world, this guy, Jay Glazer, who's a muckety-muck, works for Yahoo. He, for 24 hours, not an exaggeration, everywhere he could... Insta, Facebook, Twitter, TV, ESPN, uh, Serious Fantasy Radio. Oh, guys, biggest story of my career tomorrow. You got stay tuned tomorrow night. Biggest story of my career. So of course everyone's like, "Well, damn, what the hell? What's uh, wow? What could it be?" We wait all day that he he puts the story up. It's that one of the players on the Los Angeles Rams has the COVID. I was like, dude, like that's. Like there's no story. Like who? Ca- like that's not a story, dude. Lots of people have the COVID now. Like, what's? Why would it matter that a 24 year old kid has the COVID? And the whole world had the same reaction. And uh, I was like, he just he just set the record for what I was talking about. Like he spent 24 hours telling us that he had a story that we all had to listen to, even though we all already followed him. And then when he gave us the story, he got mocked by millions of people because it was a shitty story. Yeah. Like if you have news, dude, just break the news. And if you don't feel good enough in the sourcing then don't tell us you have it until you do feel good. Like, it's pretty simple. Yeah. Product of the times. Oh, I know. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. If you're not yeah. filling the uh, uh, the data sprawl with information, you're not contributing. You know? So y- if you're not contributing, you're not on the eyes and, and ears and lips of the people that are witnessing it, so therefore you're dead. And it's just stupid. It, it's, it's someone in a corner of a room just speaking out loud uh, hoping that someone will go over and talk to them have you ever seen that in real life it's pathetic yep certain things bother me and it, it shuts down the 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 vocal receptors and that are connected to the brain and <laughs> i just i just lose it uh, it just seems so alien and strange and weird to me mm-hmm. but uh th- that is the time in which we live everything's like that isn't it yeah yeah it is to your point, I think it's it. There's different versions of 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 of, of maybe maybe it, they're more like kissing cousins, but but I think all these things have in common, like you said, is that they're 
we're in a world where it's so hard to get people's attention that you need to constantly fight for the attention every every microsecond for right. fear that they're going to forget about you. It's true. And we know we don't have to fight for your attention because you're really? here already, right? That's right. And this is 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 666. Let that sink in. And mm-hmm. I am Vince B. You are Vince B. And I am David A. Price. Indeed you are. And I'm John Travolta. <laughs> Why, pray tell, are you John Travolta? <laughs> uh, we were... Bro- Broken Arrow was uh, was on TV just for a little bit. <laughs> I love it. I was explaining to the little man who... John Travolta was or is and that he's for a while was a huge movie star and it just uh I just filed it away and thought I'm gonna be John Travolta. Shout out to all the Scientologists. <laughs> yeah. Shit. <laughs> Shout out. What up, my brother? <laughs> Shout out. Space <laughs> aliens go come get you. Yeah. Well, just for you, Vince, I updated my list again. You did? I did. There's something there was something new yeah, added to it. Constantly in motion. Seriously. And it's on there because of this. Oh, episode. yeah. Look at that. I oh, did I it for the you. show because it's not. Took one for the team. Yeah. I did. I really did. Yeah. I took a look at it and I was like, okay. Well, I mean, I flipped through it when we were at New York Comic Con. They didn't have all the issues. If they had all the issues, I probably would have bought it. But, um, and, and I mentioned it in, in my previous video uh, this month that the expanded edition of the first volume is being solicited along with the second volume of the, um, I think just about ready to wrap up second series. I'm actually going to talk about heavy metal tonight. Nice. Good. But it's weird. Um, old, old heavy metal or no, actually no, a, a new one, a new one. And you know who the editor in chief is now, right? Yeah. Seeley, right. Yeah. Tim Seeley. Tim, he is very good for the magazine because this is a, a an issue that was, a couple of steps towards the old tried and true heavy metal. Oh, nice. Yeah, but I mean, my point being here is why would you buy heavy metal even at a discounted rate? Are, are any of you on the, the heavy metal um, the list? From yes. They sell magazine back issues at like 40, 50% off all the time. Yeah. So all you got to do is wait a month or two. After the new issues come out and go on the website and get it for like 50% off. We don't even get 50% through DCBS, right. which is our sponsor, Discount Comic Book Service, where you can get your books, get them fast, get them delivered right to your door for a fraction of the retail price. This month, it's Dark Horse Month. Why? I don't know. It seemed like the thing to do. They had a bunch of number ones, three of which you will hear about now. First up, the Black Hammer Universe, another iteration. This is called Barbalian. Uh, Red Planet number one, written, of course, by, well, maybe overseen by Jeff Lemire, but written by Tate Bromble, with art by Gabriel Hernandez Walta. Are you kidding me? The uh, cover price is $3.99. Your price, bum, 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 $1.99. Number two, Lady Baltimore, number one. Things have changed in the Baltimore universe. Uh, Mignola, Christopher Golden, art by Bridget Connell. This is a 
five-issue limited series in theory, the first issue of which will not cost you $3.99. It will cost you $1.99. And last but certainly not least, the Umbrella Academy, Gerard Way, Sean Simon, art by I.N.J. Culbard. This is a miniseries, first of six, called You Look Like Death, Tales from the Umbrella Academy. Cover price, $3.99. You scoff at that. You laugh because you know you're going to pay $1.99 at, in, at this Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com. They are the absolute best. The best. They are. It's weird. It's strange how good they are. Speaking of somebody trying to get attention on the Internet, dcbservice.com doesn't need to do that because everybody seems to know that, you know, you want comics. So there's really only one place to go to get them. I like that little guffaw there. That was like, it was, like, it's oh, real. Shit. It's yeah, real. Uh, there's a commercial going around about the um, a cl- making a legal claim to uh, Roundup. That right. uh-huh. the makers yeah. of Roundup yeah. knew that it yeah. caused cancer. And the actor they got uh, is an older gentleman, and he is fantastic. He looks at the camera and he says, I've been using this stuff and I don't know why. And he looks to the side real quick, like a natural thing. But of course, it's not natural. He planned it. He's like, I don't know why they would do this to people. And it's so real. And I say to my kids all the time, I love this guy. If I was the producer of this commercial, I'd be like, here, take all the monies because you are really convincing. And every time it comes on, they look at me before I say it now. Because they're like dad's old buddies on the TV. And he lo- <laughs> you guys watching a lot of Judge Judy, are you? I don't watch that at all. What are you talking about? See, Jason knows that because that's when that commercial comes on for him, Darnie. Oh, it comes on a lot on Game Show Network. And yes, it does. Oh, that Same thing sense. with Mesothelioma. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I, that's why I say Game Show Network has commercials on lawsuits. And predominantly medicine. Um, you got the bipolar, we'll fix you. You know, you've been wronged in a in a mesothelioma or a legal thing, or we'll fix you there too. But there's really not a whole lot of breath to the game show network uh, commercials. It's mm-hmm. like I said, it's very strange. It's, it's Shriners or well, see. Oh, I love that commercial. The the. With, with the, the kid yeah. with the adorable blanket, I love him. <laughs> adorable. This, so, well, <laughs> yes, you love him, even though Will Pfeiffer's, even, even though your grandpa hates that boy. Um, I love him. The adorable blanket. The adorable blanket. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We got to talk about comics here, because that's why we gathered. Uh-huh. Is it? It, I it, think it is. Well, it's also I'm also here to check on you guys and and yeah. find out how the listeners are doing. But how is everybody? No complaints. Uh, yeah, you know there have definitely been worse days of this of this uh, craziness. As we're on pause until May fifteenth now. As are we? Uh, okay. Um, which you know is it's just it's. I mean it's it's. A good thing, but 
at the same time, it probably wouldn't have to be that long if people were just doing what they, I don't want to say supposed to do, but should have been doing. Uh, yeah, I guess I would say supposed to do, because just, I don't, anyway. I think at this point, isn't it common sense? It should have been common sense, it's but just, yes. Just stay at home. This point, I mean, it's it's like, I don't, I mean, they've they've taken, um, they've taken the nets down from, from the, bas- in the basketball courts, just so that people wouldn't congregate and and i mean you, know, you want to play just 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 shoot some three foes on your own that's fine but that's never how it ends and it's just so take the temptation out of the equation why you can't play, play basketball it. without a net well you can just throw you go ahead throw, but the hoop is still there right no. No, no, no oh no, they've no, taken no, the I mean, whole thing the yeah, oh that makes sense that. yeah yeah. But yeah they've taken they, they've taken the only thing standing is is the backboard on the pole well that makes sense yeah Comic books, graphic so, novels. So some reading? Ah, uh, yeah, lots. You should. We're getting a lot All of pro- focused on the devil since it's episode six six six. No, no, a couple guys that on the included planning. Yeah, no, a couple As guys on the Slack were were like, "Oh, can't wait to see what's planned for six six six. Now you've ruined it. More the same. You have ruined it because if you expect it, it isn't going to happen. That's right. That's not how I work. <laughs> Yeah, maybe we'll have the Y'all Devil special 702. Maybe it'll just Ooh. pop up. Who it's knows? Crazy. Yeah, it'd be nuts. It'll be 999. Unpredictable. Like the guy in the mesothelioma commercial. Oh my God. Or the Roundup. He's been doing it for a decade, man. At least. I think it's been longer than that. Yeah. There's one woman that has every disease known to man. She's the woman in the bipolar commercial. She's the woman in the irritable bowel thing. She's also yeah. in the... Uh, oh, she's a mess. When it comes yeah. to, like, you know, cleaning your car or... Yeah. Yeah. She's like Celine Dion in that one song. She she can't see. He's her eyes. She can't think. He's her brain. You know, this woman's a wreck. Good. She's lucky she met him. Celine Dion or Shania Twain? Whatever. Whoever they are. Come on, let's talk about comics. I've been waiting. Well, what did you get? Oh, I don't want to go first. <laughs> You're so funny. <laughs> I want, it's like I want you to lull I'm me so to. Excited. I to, can't contain myself. No, yeah, talk to me. Tell me some stuff. Talk to me like lovers do. All right, well, let's jump in. Let's. Um, this about. week, even though no new comics for the second consecutive week. We did actually get a new comic, and it was the hotness. Wow, what do you mean? Uh, was it online? Yes. Well, oh, may have. <laughs> if you headed on over to Panel Syndicate, which many of you know as the place where Brian K. Vaughn and Marcos Martin started their online forays many years ago with a book called Private Eye, and then then after that came. Uh, Barrier, which we talked about it uh, in our C2E2 live episode a year and a half ago, uh, and Universe, and Black Hand Ironhead, and um, Barrier. Umami, and Glacier City. Uh, well, surprisingly, as they often do, they just kind of drop a new comic. We got word that uh, a new comic was posted this week, and that comic is by. Vince's favorite, Ed Brubaker. You love with, him. With Marcos Martin on art. So a powerhouse team. And the comic is called Friday. Hmm. Uh, it was released in issue form. 
30 pages. It isn't, it is this, it's not a one shot. There is more of the story. I don't know how much more. I don't think I didn't see Ed mention anywhere how long it's going to be. So I just have to keep reading. But uh, I downloaded that Jean. For people that don't know how Panel Syndicate works, you go to their site, um, click on the buy link, and it allows you to pay whatever you feel is appropriate. So if you're cheap uh, or if you're financially impaired because of COVID, whatever the case may be, you can read any of their works. And it's all excellent stuff for free. You can bid uh, or you can offer zero dollars and they will let you read and download the digital comics. Or uh, if you do have some shekels and want to support them, you can uh, pay whatever you think is fair. Uh, for those wondering, I paid four bucks because I figured that's what a that's what yeah. a comic would cost, right? Four yeah. bucks. Yeah. So I, I paid four bucks. Um, and the other cool thing about it is once you pay for it, you can download it in a multitude of different file formats to suit your different needs. So you can do PDF, CBR, CBZ. Um, so it's very convenient. And once you pay for it, it's yours. Uh, but anyway, uh, Friday was quite a nice surprise. Not not surprisingly, since it's written by Brubaker, it is a crime story. The, uh, the book is named after the main character, a young college freshman named Friday Fitzhugh. And she finds herself uh, racing around in a sheriff's car along with uh, a boy named Lancelot Jones, who's the smartest boy in the world. And they're trying to solve a new case. But uh, we quickly discover that she finds herself back in a familiar territory because she would just got off the train in her hometown when they whisked her away for this case. She was coming home from college where she has been uh, having uh, her first few months of her freshman year. And it's clear that uh, even though she falls right into old habits, she's desperate um, to talk to Lancelot about, quote unquote, what happened the night before she left college. And we don't know. Is that uh, did they fool around? Did they commit a crime? Did they discover something that they decided they weren't going to report? We don't know that yet. We just know that something happened that night. And if it wasn't written by Brubaker, and about a uh, set of, uh, of of young detectives, one might think she's just talking about two friends who ended up sleeping together the last night that they were together, and and the awkwardness that comes to that. And that that may in fact be what she's talking about. Um, but you know, it's a play on words. She's Friday fits you because she's his quote unquote gal Friday, um, and he is a relatively typical vessel. He's Encyclopedia Brown, young Sherlock Holmes, whatever you want to call it. He's He's and he's as quirky as can be. It's it's kind of like he has Asperger's. He very very laser focused on cases and minutia of crime scenes. Not 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 emotionally available or empathetic at all. Um, doesn't really seemingly appreciate those around him, at least outwardly. Um, even though he I'm sure does value them. So it, very very much like you would you've seen that kind of archetype with Sherlock or whatever. Um, and, uh, because it is the first issue of an ongoing, we're left with a huge cliffhanger as all first issues should have. Um, Martin has continued to evolve his style. You know, we talked a bit about how his work in barrier was quite a departure from his work, um, on Spider-Man, uh, Spider-Man. And, uh, I would say this is even more stylized. Uh, it's very, very sharp angular lines, like on the anatomy faces and whatnot, um, her head's almost squat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She, so it's 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 just him. I think continuing to play with the style. 
Uh, it's definitely more animated, more um, atypical uh, anatomically than uh, than what you may be familiar with from his prior stuff. So, but but you kind of saw the progression of that in Barrier, so um, it, it won't be that jarring if you did read Barrier. Um, but yeah, I thought it was great. I mean, listen, it's it's they're two masters of their craft, and um, the book came together very quickly. There's a little uh, afterward um, by Ed just saying that uh, basically he and Marcos were chatting, and Marcos said, "Hey, do you got anything for me?" do a book together and Brubaker said it took him about two minutes to come up with the idea <laughs> and uh, they went from there. So um, it should be fun. It's, it, it, it's always nice to see creators you like that are known for partnerships, step out of that partnership, at least temporarily. So um, while I don't ever want to see uh, Brubaker and Phillips stop making comics, it's nice to see Ed write for someone else. Um, as long as again, it doesn't mean that, we don't continue to get stuff from from Sean, and then similarly, it's been a long time since I've seen Marcus Martin draw anything for anyone other than than Brian, because um, they did Private Eye and then they did Barrier together. So, um, if he's done other comic work, I, I can't recall it. So, it's, it's again, it's nice to see him uh, pull out his drawing chops for a different writer. So, uh, well, it's the big, hmm? it's the writers that have the luxury of doing that, working with other people. Artists, not so much. Well, on a, on a regular basis, sure, but right. I mean, I'm saying Martin hasn't, I don't think he's drawn for it. I think he's only done Barrier and um, Private Eyes. In right, sure. Years. But yeah. like you were saying, I, I hope Philip still gets the, the the nod from Brubaker, and I think that'll be true because a writer can split or wear different hats, whereas because it takes so long for the artists. Oh. Well, the, we, we've got the, the, the Western thing coming from them. Right, right, but that's right. that, and that's that's yeah. a graphic novel, and and they're still doing criminal, and and of course, Sean's going. Sean, I don't know if Sean's doing variant covers for every one of of uh, of the book his his son is drawing, but uh, I don't think either of them are are at a loss for I don't want to say loss for work, but I'm pretty sure I Ed, I don't think Ed's going to if if. Marcos was like, hey, do you have time to write something? If he was busy with things with Sean, he'd probably say, let me hit you back in a few weeks. But um, but yes, yeah, since writers do have that luxury. But it does, he, he does say in the back matter that even though he quickly, he he took about a minute to, to, to say, hell yeah, he'll work with Marcos. He um, Friday was actually an idea that's been in the back of um, Ed's mind for... For some time, um, because he did love those Encyclopedia Brown stories, and and he would enjoy um, a lot of the young adult style kind of mysteries, which I guess this is his way of um, paying an homage. But I think I, I think the art, the style is slightly different because of the setting, the 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 era the story takes place in, because this is obviously the it looks to me the late sixties, early seventies. I don't. Is a Christopher Christopher Lee's name is on one of the marquees. The clothes, the cars are not uh, are not of, of of a modern era, even if it's you, it, it's it's longer than twenty years ago. So um, I think that might play a hand in in Marcos changing up the style a little bit. It might it might mm-hmm. this might just be a typical evolution and we'll see what happens next. But I think I, I, I like that because it's it's 
because it's not a story that's set in the future like Private Eye, not with more like his usual style. It it um this this is also this is an Ed story. It takes place in a different time. Um I think it makes it makes sense to um to change it up a bit. It it, it is it and it is a striking change. It's it, it it's good. It, it's I'm saying that in a compliment, but uh it's it is a change. If you're used to oh, you know, yeah, let me let me grab I, I love his work. I love the way he draws. It it's this may this may not be what you're expecting, but it still serves the story. I think it's I, and I think it's a great story. I, I was really nice. uh was really happy with the um with the first issue. Definitely. You know, the style looked a little bit to me like uh Werther Deladera, um which is interesting. Uh for you know, for he's been doing uh something's killing the children, but uh yeah, yeah. I, I don't I don't think anybody's going to – I would be surprised if anybody finds the evolution of the style to be off-putting. No, yeah, same thing. And, and even even um, Munster's color, she she definitely um, changed it up with I – mean, it, it's it's fitting to to the style of art. But it, it's um, – it, as much as, as Martine's lines don't look like what you may be expecting, um, Munster's colors aren't – they're they're more fitting to this particular story. They're not as 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 bright, um, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, uh, bright is is the best way I'd say because the, the, these are a little. I mean, yes, most of the story takes place at night, uh, so the colors would be a little bit more subdued. But even even in the woods, even when it is it is dark and they're messing with shadows, um, it looks different than if if Jordi Belair was coloring something in the shadows or Dave Stewart or anything like that. And they, they continue to work well together. I'm, I'm glad to see Ed and Marcos working together on something that this may seem, this may be a kind of story you, you might expect from Ed because, because Ed does like to write those, those crime stories. And um, he says in the back matter, <laughs> even when he was writing superhero stories, they were still kind of in the, 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 that crime vein, but um, you might think it's it's a departure from Marcos, but it is it's it was it was a very welcome surprise, absolutely. Cool. I'll have to read it when it's done. Yeah, you'll enjoy it. Definitely. I'm sure I will. Yeah, it looks great. What uh, what little I can see of it, and it, it just kills me. This. Uh, WebP format, file format that they use now, uh, drives me crazy because you can't right-click on an image and save it. Mm-hmm. And so our gallery will contain two images from Friday instead of six or seven because most of them are embedded in that silly WebP format. Right, I can, right. I, I, can, I can send it to you because we... Well, I, I can extract the CBZ. Thanks into JPEGs. Oh, nice. Yes. Um, I have two. Just pick three. Well, that that'll be good. Um, so cool, yeah. I got to get my hands on that when it's uh, now. They have a, a track record of saying that it'll be collected, but no, it won't be no, collected. No. But no, they they, they, don't. they they said that once, and they and and for all intents and purposes, it was a lie. That yes, the the original plan was private. I would never be seen in print. They never said anything about barrier or any of, or or universe or any of the other stories 
that panel syndicate. I, so I don't know if, if maybe that was always the intention that, you know, the other stories can be printed or were going to be printed, or they just said, fuck it, we did it with Private Eye, so we'll print them all. But there is no... Chances are, it's an Ed Brubaker story. It'll it'll get printed when. So it's, there's no restrictions on this. Good. Right. All right. Yeah. Right. Nice. Right. I would agree. Cool. What do you want to hear? What do you want to hear about? Why don't we, it's, you have the floor. Let's see. Let hmm. Look at your list. Hold on. Let's see. Um, I have a strange. Yeah. Well, we'll go with this first, and then unless what were you going to say, David? No, I, I just I, I smirked because I saw something on there that, that was on the um the book of the month list, but you you went ahead and read it. But uh I yeah. was I was gonna say Motel Universe volume one. I well that's know. exactly what I'm going into. Perfect. There you, you, go. you you read my small little mind. Um it, it comes from Secret Acres. It's called Motel Universe by Joachim Drescher. And I got to tell you, it is a strange little nugget here. There is a huge cast of characters in this thing. Um, the end papers on the um, inside covers are littered with characters. You have a column of four by five. So that's 20 characters on the inside front cover and 20 characters on the, on the back inside front cover. So it's loaded. It's festooned with characters. So what is it about? What is this Motel Universe thing about? (laughs) Oh, boy. Um, I love that laugh. There's a race of people, of beings, called the Skins. Why do they call them Skins? Well, their skin is... They're yellow. Their base color is yellow. And they have these markings or aberrations or just patches on their skin of red and green they're they're hairless uh and they all pretty much look alike Uh, round face googly eyes slit of a mouth and these skins are prized for their skin and they're hunted and they're they're used as as um like livestock in a sense very uh, glitzy, ritzy, expensive livestock by this race called the Jeffs. And the Jeffs are, are dogs. They're anthropomorphic dogs, and they're all named Jeff. How are you doing today, Jeff? Oh, quite fine, Jeff. How's, how's your son, Jeff? Oh, he's doing well. How's your son, Jeff? They're all called Jeff. <laughs> so... It gets, I mean, when you see them in a group situation and they're all talking to each other, it's really funny because they all got the same name. But they seem to know when differences occur within their species. Like there's one Jeff that drinks a lot and is like, oh, that Jeff, he'll never change. <laughs> but, but he's a Jeff. <laughs> but uh, leading the Jeffs is the ghost of Caligula. Mm-hmm. Yes, the ghost, the ghost of Emperor Caligula, and he is a a ghost. He's a, a an ethereal, ectoplasmic type being with. Does he look like Malcolm McDowell? In one section, yes, he does because nice. because he's there. I won't. I don't get ahead of myself, but there's a, a section of the book where shit hits the fan, and he says, "Fetch me my mask and cloak." And so he's this colorful 
faceless. He's got two gleaming eyes, but there's no pupils. Entity, and he puts on a, a, a Malcolm McDowell mask and, and, a, and a, a, a wrap, and he goes out into this whatever was happening at that time that I'll tell you about. But So the, the skins are rounded up. They're hunted. They're corralled. And in the beginning of the book, this father skin and his daughter are fleeing the Jeffs, and they're captured. And they're 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 despondent because their their mother was has gone missing, presumably dead, and the father's doing his best to to take care of this little girl. Um, Dad's pretty good. He 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 guns down some of the Jeffs, but ultimately he's he's thrown in in the uh, the clink. And the thing is, the the Je- the Jeffs through Caligula have set up this thing where very elite, uh, the elite of society can come in and for a fee, they can hunt the skins. So it's like big game hunting, but it's with this disenfranchised, oppressed race of people. And and you got a big fat woman with a dog uh, named Cheswick. And she's, I think her name's Lulu. Yeah, uh, she she and it just looks like a a woman you would see at a bingo match. She's a a giant Blanche, you know, who would go to bingo, and she keeps her husband on a leash. And her husband has is of normal proportions, except he's kind of short. But I mean, physical proportions. His head is the regular size, but during the hunt, he picks up a frog and licks it, and his head shrinks. <laughs> and then they call him Cap- they call him Captain Littlehead. Uh, okay, um, but uh, again, it's just so weird. The why they they know to call him Captain Littlehead. Uh, so the the, the skins are, are hunted, and um, the person behind a lot of it is called Barton Flump. I think you can tell where this is going, right? Um, he's a cipher, a stand-in for a real-life pig of a man who has made quadrillions with this motel universe. And it's a sprawl of shitty casinos, brothels, skyscrapers. You get where I'm going, right? I love it already. And it's... Um, the, it's just, it's a story of genocide and oppression and the rich, um, using the, um, not rich as their little playthings for fun and profit. Um, there's a, a, an incident that I was telling you about, it's called the war of flowers where this, this race, um, called the Hermans. And the Hermans are weird. Well, everything in this book is strange. The Hermans are fairy-like creatures. They look mm-hmm. like little bald children in dresses with wings. And they have an extra face on their foreheads. And they save the father and the daughter who are running from the Jeffs and Caligula. And they reunite them with the mother. But the Hermans have set up a deal with the Jeffs where they have this War of Flowers thing where they telepathically interact with 
the environment. It's it's like a it's a it's a battle of it, it's a battle between these two races. They they can control the all the animals and all the plants in the region, and they it's like gladiator combat between organisms, right? And the winner gets the one up, and that's towards the end of the book. But I, and I won't reveal how that comes out. But what a strange, perfect, little, fascinating book. Um, I don't know if I mentioned it. It's a hardcover, twenty one ninety five. The art style is Dresser plays with form. Um, the energy and um, environment is used as a design motif and as an illustrative tool. Like um, if somebody enters the panel and there's like energy radiating from them, it becomes a design tool, becomes part of the form, right? Uh, there's a lot of marks in this thing. Think Mark Bayer, but not as, not with his tendency to to mess with perspective mm-hmm. and proportion. It's it's it it almost could be an offshoot of the Beatles' Yellow Submarine. The referee for the War of the Flowers is a giant hand, <laughs> and the hand only speaks in sign language and the things he signs are only cliches he only speaks in cliches it's insane um the design of the 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 flora and the fauna are incredible and unlike anything i've seen in a long time maybe victor moscoso a little bit in here but it's just it's a complete self-contained original universe like you melt into this book and it's I guarantee it's unlike anything you've read in a in a in a while, if ever. It's the the chapter it has Kirby esque chapter headings. Um one chapter heading you peer down the mouth of one of the characters. The others um let's see, there's another one here. There's a giant skull shaped ship with tank treads that leads you into the hunt. Um Caligula is on the the, the uh, chapter heading of another one right before he puts his mask on with this creature called Barney. Barney is this oozing, uh, obviously feminine because it has breasts, but I'm I'm maybe overreaching, but it does have breasts. That doesn't necessarily mean it's feminine in this book. Um, it has three eyes, two faces, two heads stuck where its ears would be and it looks like it's melting in some kind of intense heat and it's pink a pink fleshy blob of melting skin three eyes and two heads tacked on to the sides of its main main head it's it's a little unsettling but um i i love everything about this book and there's a sequel that has been recently solicited multi-universe 2 out of secret acres i forget the the name of it but I spotlighted it in one of my previews uh, specials. But In Stock Trades had this in stock. Not In Stock Trades. DCB had this in stock. So I thought, well, I don't have it. I'm going to need it when the sequel comes out. Might as well get it. So I got this in my recent box. And I was freaking blown away. Mm. It could fit perfectly within the first four issues of Raw. It, okay. would, it, it would not be out of place in, in Raw. Like I said, it does look like Mark Bayer a lot, but mm-hmm. um, it's more 
it, it's more experimental than Bayer. I don't even know if I should say that. It, 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 it adheres to a reality that's not that 2D skewed perspective that, that Bayer's is. It's very colorful. But the drawing is super exaggerated. Um, he embellishes every component of the book. There are lines and marks and dots and jaggy things everywhere. Like, your eyes will linger for a long time on the page here. Uh, it's also very funny. Um, and I'll let you find that out for yourself. But it's it's a weird, off-kilter kind of humor that um, may not be immediately apparent, but it's, it, it's there. I, I loved every bit of it. Um, Joaquin Drescher. Multi-universe. Nice. Yeah, it is outstanding. Scoop it up. Yeah, it sounds good. Yeah. It's one of those, it's a singular experience. You're, you're not going to find this um, anywhere else. My man. Love it. If you're yes, adventurous, sir. I think you'll, you'll, you'll sink right into this. Nice. What else are people going to read? Let's regale some folks with some other stuff. Let's go. This is not a new book. Um, it's not a new flacking. story. It's not flacking. Uh, it's not. Um, it's kind of a hit. I, I wanted. I, I approached this because um, I don't think I've read this story. I read it when it originally came out, and I probably read it maybe once or twice shortly after that, but in the years since in the past 10, 20 years, definitely not. But, um, this is a, uh, a six part story told over the course of a summer. So you got an issue of amazing Spider-Man every other week. Uh, originally, uh, published. It reprints amazing Spider-Man numbers 353 through 358. Um, it is called, the story was called Round Robin, The Sidekick's Revenge. And it is written by <coughs> Milgram. Uh, Mark Bagley and Randy Emberlin are your artists. Joe Rosen on letters, Bob Sharon as colors. Danny Fingeroth was the original series editor, as well as the Spider-Man group editor. Mark Powers is your reprint editor. And at the time, this particular version, this edition, was published. Tom DeFalco was editor-in-chief of Marvel Comics because this this trade paperback I have in my hands was actually published in July 1994 um, and a couple of weeks before the whole um, shutting down of things was put into place. My LCS had this uh, on the counter, actually, because uh, they had just picked up a bunch of books from someone and uh, this was in the half-off pile. Uh, or it was going to be marked in the half-off pile, so I just took it off the counter and, and added it to my order that night. But um, this was, I don't know, I, I probably would have picked up on it even if Milgram didn't write the foreword. But um, this was extremely punny, even for 90s Spidey, and, and especially for Al Milgram. And Al Milgram, who I, I remember writing a a a snappy spider-man in peter parker the spectacular spider-man especially in the um 
Assistant Editors Month issue that Hembeck um, also helped him draw. Um, Al Milgram's never met a pun he didn't want to beat into the ground, and that's fine, and and that's and and that works depending on the type of story you're telling. Um, but not everybody needs to be so quippy, and 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 there were some groan-inducing uh, quips in this story. But basically, the story—the reason why it's called Round Robin: The Sidekick's Revenge—is it, it picks up from a story that ended um, in Moon Knight's title at the time. Moon Knight had his own sidekick, uh, a protege by the name of Midnight. Spider-Man and Moon Knight and Midnight were taking on the Secret Empire. Midnight jumped in front of a laser blast that was meant for Moon Knight. Uh, and Moon Knight had basically thought that, okay, well, Midnight's dead. Um, and after the events from that time, and um, Moon Knight went on about with his life. But apparently Midnight was not dead. Secret Empire took Jeff Wilde uh, and um, turned him into a mostly a cyborg. So um, what I enjoyed about this when it was coming out at the time, because I was reading Amazing at the time, this was this is post Larson because because Mark Bagley is is drawing it. So it's, it's post McFarlane, post post Larson. Um, Bagley's pretty much your main artist on the book. And uh, he got to draw a whole bunch of other Marvel characters in this story. Uh, in in this arc, you have Spider-Man, Punisher, Moon Knight, Nova, and Night Thrasher, both from the New Warriors at the time, um, and uh, sadly, Darkhawk. So you have all of these um, big 90s at the time Marvel characters. Uh, the Secret Empire is, they all get together because the Secret Empire tells uh, Midnight to spring Franklin, um, Elliot Franklin out of, um, out of prison, who is of course, Thunderball from the wrecking crew. Uh, and is apparently a very smart individual. He's a scientist. Um, he's a doctor, uh, which has never really played up too often in many of the stories that, that I've read involving the wrecking crew, but nevertheless, they, um, they want Thunderball sprung from prison so he can work for the secret empire and, and enhance, midnight even further and they can create a cyborg army to, to take over the world and uh while he's being sprung Darkhawk happens to be Darkhawk's alter ego is at the police station because Darkhawk's father apparently uh was on the take and and uh so while um it it's and, and Dark Horse Dark Hawk is so important to me that I, I always remember the, the the kid's name and I really don't but his his um his name is Chris. So, so Chris was at the precinct because he's still trying to find out if, if his dad was really uh, dirty or not um, as a police officer. And, and so when Thunderball is taken out of prison, Dark Hawk springs into action. So he and Spidey team up. That's the first team up. Then uh, Punisher's lurking in the shadows. Um, Nova happens to be flying by and he gets taken by midnight so that involves night thrash so i mean it all it 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 was it didn't feel all that forced especially at the time when i was reading it and everything else was going on in comics it it it, it really didn't but even here this is when when we we're talking about pairings and and team-ups last week and and how 
you know, Spider-Man and Daredevil kind of fit for me, works for me. And I think Tomio even talked about it on the Slack. But in the Marvel Universe, especially Manhattan, it makes sense that, you know, in an issue of Captain America, you just happen to be see, you would see Spider-Man swinging in, in the background of one panel. They wouldn't even be teaming up. It was just, there he goes. So um, when it's Manhattan in the Marvel Universe, you, you, you are going, you're not going to be able to swing anything without hitting another hero. Um there was some tension between Moon Knight and Night Thrasher. Um, of course, Punisher is shooting to kill. And and that that's the other part about this story is that even nowadays, if that were to happen, pretty much any of the other, with the exception of maybe Night Thrasher, any of the other heroes would probably stop with the task at hand and take Punisher off the board because he's killing people. And And at the time, it's like, Spidey's just, you know, punching everybody else along with everybody else. And um, it's like, hey, stop shooting at them. And and it's like, you know, Frank's like, listen, they're, if if I don't take them out, they're not they're not shooting rubber bullets at us. So it's it's us or them. And um, I guess at that point, all our heroes are kind of just shrugging because he's like, I guess he's right. But it 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 still felt a little weird. So even here I am years removed from reading the story originally. Um but it was very easy for me to put myself back in the era this story was was made in. It it all the other it, it didn't if someone were trying to tell a story based set in the nineties now with these characters, it might feel like they were trying too hard. But it actually it this this doesn't it's not a timeless story by any means, but it just because of when it was this the, the pop culture references and things like that. It wasn't. It wasn't off-putting. It didn't. It'd be as if I was reading a uh, well, maybe not a Stan Amazing Story, but uh, a Jerry Conway Amazing Spider-Man story might not feel like it's from the '70s or '80s if I were reading it now, depending on the tone of the story. But yeah, this was. I, I want, basically I just wanted to go back in time. I wanted <laughs> to see if I if I remembered the story as well as I did. Um, and because of who the creative team is and, and the type of story being told, if it would play off as, as too corny. And, and happily, surprisingly, it, it, it wasn't. It, it, aside from some of the puns that were tough in some spots, uh, the story itself was still, was still a pretty, pretty fun time. And uh, it, it's, for the most part, it's, it's self-contained. I don't know offhand if anything was done with Midnight uh, or Lynn, the nurse who was trying to, um, who was basically using him, but but didn't appear that way at first. Um, because the way the story ends, they, they, they pretty much um, go down with the rest of the organization. So um, I don't know if anybody's going back to that Midnight Well to pick up where they left off, since he's mostly a cyborg. If, if basically, if long as you find his brain or whatever, I guess you could still keep him going. But yeah, I um, I I enjoyed it, and 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 Bagley's art, it, it's it was you know it's it's early '90s Bagley, so it's not the ultimate Spider-Man Bagley. It's not, um, it's it's around the New Warriors Bagley, but it it's um, it you can still tell it's Mark Bagley. It's just maybe not as as polished as we get these days but uh yeah no i i happily and and uh surprisingly still enjoyed it and and it um 
I, I, I give, you know, I think when it comes to whether he's a writer or a penciler or an anchor, I, I, I may enjoy, I, I think he's a fantastic editor because Al Milgram worked on Marvel fanfare, of course. But um, for me, when it comes to Milgram, it's, it's anchor, writer, um, and then penciler because I was not a fan of his Avengers or West Coast Avengers work. Um, How dare you? Right? That's what I was thinking. But uh, but no, I, I think um, I I really did. He, he won, according to the forward, he, you know, he, he wanted to help Danny Fingeroth out and, and, and write this story. And th- this was definitely, I, they, they, they admitted as much in, in the, um, as much in, in the front of the trade where um, Fingeroth was basically like, listen, there's this plot being dangled from Moon Knight that I think we can wrap up. We can do it in Spider-Man and we can have him, and we can have all these other heroes show up um, and it'll be twice a month because that's not hard at all. And then, um, and then everything else played in, fell into place, but, but it definitely comes across as a, um, as an editorially driven story. But I think um, Al polished it up and, and um, told still told a fun nineties Marvel style team up type story. And, and, and he did it all. It's, you know, it's self-contained within these six issues. It's, I, I'm sure it's been reprinted since then. I'm sure it's, it's, it's in an epic collection. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, um, it's just, it's one, I don't know why round Robin just seems to be something whenever I'm thinking about old Spidey stories, that one always ends up, in my head for some reason and I don't know why and now that I got to reread it decades later um, maybe I can finally excise the demon but it's um, if, if if anybody gets a chance try it especially if it's got characters that you may have never heard of um, like Darkhawk so yeah it's um, it, I, I decided to hop in the Wayback Machine and that's where it took me Round and round we go. You never know where it's going to take you. It's true. It's like uh, chrononauts. They never yes. know where they're going to end up. But you ended up in Spidey Land. I didn't. Which, let's be honest, isn't that hard of a guess. No, it would either be Spidey, Man, Spidey Land or, 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 or a Superman book. But yeah, you're right. That's right. That's right. Vince, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but I didn't. I wanted to throw this out to you because I figured... It's something you may have read and just never mentioned. Are you there? Of course. Uh, have you read Mowgli's Mirror? No, I saw that on your list, and I was like, "What the hell is that?" I got it. It's one of those books that I don't even remember, like how I got it. Um, it's uh, it's it's a, it's it's treasury sized. What? But it's. It's treasury size, but it's a um, soft cover, like a a pamphlet, almost like a homemade comic, or a, you know, with staples. Yeah, like paper cover. Um, it was published in 2015 by Olivier Schwarin through Retrofit Comics in Philly. So is this Rizograph printed? It looks. Uh, it looks like it maybe. What that means. What? It looks like it may be Rizograph printed. I don't know what that means, so... 
It's a, a style of printer that has very limited colors. Um, you can buy a unit relatively inexpensively, um, and it's just a, a way for artists to print their own work it definitely Some, could somewhat, be on the, somewhat on the cheap. Um, okay. But it yeah, yeah, I don't want to get into the whole mechanics. No, no, of I, I, that's interesting, so I'm not aware of that. But I can tell you that the entire comic is royal blue, black, white, and orange. Which is why I said it, this, why I guess it may be Rizograph printer because it's very limited color. Okay. Yeah, like I said, there's not a lot to go into here. No need to deep dive. Um, I just, you know, as people know, I've been taking this uh, COVID break of both being at home a lot more and also not having new comics to just uh, have decades of reading in my comic room. So I've just been grabbing stacks and uh, kind of reading them in the order of the stack without a lot of thought or planning. And this was in the stack. And uh, like I said, I don't even remember when I got this. I feel like it was part of a indie like binge I went on and just bought a bunch of stuff. Um, but regardless, uh, to Vince's point, let's say it is Rissograph and it's four colors. Um, and it's, it's Mowgli of, uh, the Jungle Book fame. Uh, and it's the majority of the book. In fact, I think every, yeah, every page of the book is eight, pa- uh, is, is an eight panel setup, uh, with no space between the borders. And it's essentially, uh, a few days in the life of Mowgli. It starts off conventionally where he's sitting across – and the book is called Mowgli's Mirror for people that, that don't remember uh, – where he's sitting on the left panel is Mowgli doing something and on the right panel is um, an orangutan doing the same action. So he laughs, the orangutan laughs. He yawns, the orangutan yawns. He fist bumps, the orangutan fist bumps. Um, so at first it's a mirror image, but then it evolves from there. Um, turns out the – orangutan in question is a woman uh female and also pregnant and so then the baby's born and it gets very weird and very graphic and then it's seemingly like Mowgli gets jealous or she gets jealous of him being there he's at one point he's spooning with the orangutan and gets a boner but she doesn't like that so much and then he veers off and interacts with other creatures like uh like uh, the wolf and uh, the wolf and the orangutan don't get along. So there's some battling and bloodshed. And um, then he kind of goes off on an adventure and ends up smearing himself with uh, monkey feces uh, and trying to find a new friend and has a few false starts where he, uh, he tries to befriend a, uh, an elephant because in the scene where he saw the orangutan give birth, he's walking up behind an elephant and a giant elephant turd is coming out. So he thinks it's the same thing. He thinks that the elephant's about to give birth. So he runs up to grab the turd <laughs> be with this, with this birth. And of course it's, it's the turd just, just, just smushes all over him. And he's covered in elephant dung. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So it just, and it kind of devolves from a relatively conventional take on, the Jungle Book in the early scenes to a completely esoteric, mind-bending spirit journey that he goes on uh, toward the end. At one point, he takes, he finds a macaw or a parrot, I'm not sure which, and he wants it to be his friend. So he he it, it's it's on a branch of a tree. He takes the feces and he molds the feces around the bird to trap it into a rough hewn look of like a, a, a human head. And he creates an entire 
uh, fake body out of all of this dung uh, with the poor bird stuck with the bird's wings as the person's ears and the beak as its mouth. <laughs> and he befriends it and hugs it and kisses it until a rainstorm comes and starts washing it away. And then the poor bird gets electrocuted. The whole thing, like I said, it starts off like this conventional version of Mowgli. And then it just becomes this absolutely crazed story that ends just horrifically. And uh, I thought it was strange and wonderful. And it's, I don't know, probably 30 pages tops. And I got to be honest with you as you're listening, I have no idea how you can even get this because I don't know how I got it. Amazon has it. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, there you go. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, so Mowgli's Mirror by Olivier Schwarin, and uh, it's freaking crazy. But its uh, I don't even know how much it costs, but if it's a reasonable cost, it's its a pretty fun... I just uh, had it on the fuck, screen. Yeah, mindfuck of a comic, so... Yeah, it looks wonderful. Um, yeah, definitely. It, it's, it's just weird, man. It's just one of those weird, weird books, and I'm glad I... Whatever prompted me to acquire it whenever I acquired it, I'm glad I did. Yes, eight dollars on Amazon. There you go. Yep. Yeah, it looks. It was nominated for a 2016 Eisner. Well, there you go. Maybe that's why. I, as you know, I checked yeah. the list of yeah, all the Eisner nominees and, and pick up stuff I'm not familiar with. So I probably ordered it in a in a somehow in a bin with that or a binge with that. Yeah, it looks great. Can't go wrong with nice. orange, orange and blue. No, it is a nice combo. It that's is. Well, that's scientific. Yeah. There you go. Want to hear about some heavy metal? Do I? Yeah. Like, are we talking periodic table of elements, or are we talking... Yeah, of course we are. Uh, like I said, okay, before... <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> I think, if this is any... If this issue is any indication, this is issue 298, um, Tim Seeley is well on his way to wash away the stink of the Grant Morrison issues. I didn't like what Morrison did with the magazine. Um, conceptually, it was okay. Visually, I think it fell very, very short of the mark from what I've come to demand from heavy metal. If you look at the first two years of heavy metal, that's a very high bar. Um, unreachable, in fact. It's almost unfair, right? Um, Mobius. You can go down the entire list. I'm not going to do it. But the the precedent set by the original couple of years of heavy metal is a very, very um, looming monolith. There's a shadow cast that just never has lived up to. I I don't think mm-hmm. in the in the 80s it it took a different turn, but it was still good. It was still challenging and visually diverse and appealing. And then in the 90s, they got into the the habit of publishing an entire graphic novel in each issue. And I don't know, it lasted for a while, but Eastman and company must have said, the fuck are we doing? <laughs> we're giving a graphic novel away for the cover price. And we're giving them other stuff. No like, sense, it, yeah. like, what are you doing? But I appreciated it. Now you can go back. I'm sure you did. And buy those heavy metals. And you can get, um, like I said... Uh, a 40 to 60 page graphic novel in every issue with other stuff uh, and and some of the the graphic novels like the Requiem Saga Pat Mills it's they they were published in installments so you get a nice massive 
story if you followed heavy metal for any any period of time and it was just very rewarding to to and it was still european so eastman had the the smarts to bring in some stuff that you don't normally see on these shores which was great but then past bunch of years heavy metal has i think been floundering uh under your boy's watch well not my boy um whoa whoa whoa, whoa, whoa. he used to be See? my boy oh okay You've i him? i still appreciate his work but i think um as a challenger to the goat he's not that anymore he may have been at one time and yeah you're only as good as your latest story i i get it but um animal man doom patrol wonderful stuff does not have the the uh, virtuosity of the goat he just doesn't he mm-hmm. he may think he does, and he may throw concepts around willy nilly. Green Lantern's very good; it's fun, mm-hmm. right? But it's and it is it better than a lot of other comics on the stand? Sure, but he was thinking he was all that at one time, and I I don't see it in his tenure at at, at Heavy Metal. Some of the stories that that he did were just like yeah, they're okay, you know, whatever. It's it's, it's not unlike the work of any anybody else you know it's there's nothing infusing this story with the brilliance i saw in animal man or doom patrol mm-hmm. whatever i'm not, yeah i'm not mad. i'm not i haven't disavowed him i just don't think he's on a level with alan moore that i once thought he was you know but whatever then we're in complete agreement yes um but his tenure at heavy metal uh, was uh, as much a tool of self-promotion as you know Grant Morrison as as anything, and I just think it was visually and and conceptually was uh, it wasn't attractive to me at all. And I bought it, but mm-hmm. I, I didn't enjoy it. There'd be some months I'd get the issue and I'd just put it on the stack. I wouldn't even read it because I'd flip mm-hmm. through it and it just didn't appeal to me at all. All that long-winded introduction it would is to say that this issue it's called the furthest reaches special and each supposedly there's a thematic link to all these stories but it's just a big old book of science fiction um i got the one uh, with the tarna cover there's three different covers and i'm not going to go through the entire issue because it is an anthology there's a lot of stories and a lot of them, I mean, uh, 60% of them are very good. Uh, the remaining, eh, they're okay. You know, there, there's nothing offensive in here, or, I mean, at least to my eyes. But uh, there are some that, uh, that don't reach as high as, as other stories. There's a Richard Corbin chapter of uh, Murky World, which I have yet to read because I don't have all of the chapters, and it's killing me. Uh, serialized Corbin is not a good thing in my mind. I I want it all, and I want it all at once. But uh, whatever. The the story in question that I really, really, really wanted to talk to, about, it's called Philip K. Dick's Head is Missing. Oh, nice. Yes, and it's by Michael David Nelson, who uh, wrote the story and did the art for the past time frame, and Dwayne Harris who did the art for the present and the future time frame. And so what is this story about? Well, if you're a Philip K. Dick fan, you know of the exegesis of Philip K. Dick, 
where he had dental work done and uh, he was in a pain, a lot of pain, and they, they had sent him pain medicine. So he goes to the ding dong, goes to the door, delivery person's there, gives him the pain medicine. It's a woman and she's got this fish necklace on. The, the, uh, um, like the, the oval type thing, like, you know how you see on the, the, the bumpers and the, the, the backs of cars that Jesus fish, just the, the, the two arcs put together. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. So he sees the, the, the fish necklace and the light glints off it. And he says in that moment, he was infused with information and it happened a little bit later on with a, a, a pink light that he he claims was infused with tremendous amounts of data from the logos and he used that to eventually write valis if you've read valis valis is the vast, vast active living intelligent system it's a that uses a a, a colored information beam to communicate with other parts of it and so at this point i mean when when this happened philip k dick became extremely invested in religion um and that led to the exegesis of philip k dick which he he became obsessed with getting all this information down and the the work in question is greater than 8,000 pages of handwritten copy. I mean, most of it has been unpublished. There, there's a book, The Exegesis of Philip K. Dick, but it's not, I think, I think it's like 900 pages. It's not 8,000. Like, there's a, a, a mountain of information that poured out of Philip K. Dick. Um, they, people who know better than I deemed him um, clinically unstable at this time. They think there was a bunch of different things working on them. Um, be that as it may, the information flowed, right? And that's part of what this story is about. Um, it, it goes into the meeting with the woman and then the the, the information dump that uh, resulted. Um, it's a, There's a lot of words, a lot of concepts thrown around, but then it goes into Robert Faraday, who was a, a, a friend to Dick, and they're going back and forth, and the, the time is very fluid in this thing. It jumps from 1980 to 2005 uh, when they created the, the Philip K. Dick android head, a real-world thing. This actually happened. They, they made a Philip K. Dick android head with an artificial intelligence that was eventually left on a plane. The inventor was taking it to some kind of conference and had it in a, in a, in a satchel and left it on the plane and the, the head went missing. This Philip K. Dick AI head went missing. In the real world, in this story, it tells you what happened to the Philip K. Dick head. And it's amazing. Uh, the, the, it, supposedly it's found and it, it has sentience um, and it eventually intermingles with Valis and becomes the Godhead, the center of all creation. Like this is, it's an insane story. It's wonderful, especially if you're a Philip K. Dick fan, right? It, the, the end of the story leads to infinity. That's how big the scope is of the story. 
but I mean, I thought it was wonderful. The the art is because there's two people doing it. I I, I like the Michael David Nelson art more than the Dwayne Harris art. The Harris art is very realistic and somewhat photoshoppy, uh, somewhat Tracy. It, it it's not bad per se, but it's it's kind of stiff for me. But um, the Nelson art's just fabulous. There's a little bit of a Matt Wagner vibe to it in some spots. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's I mean he plays with color and dot pattern. Uh, it's very impressionistic. It's very expressionistic. It's wonderful. <laughs> um, but it, it it's all concerning Philip K. Dick and his transition to examining the Christ consciousness through this meeting with a delivery person like that. If that doesn't sum up Philip K. Dick, I don't know what does. Right. Um, some say the greatest science fiction writer of all time. I'm not sure of that, but I, 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 I love his work. Right. It, uh, conceptually rich. I don't, I, I would struggle to find a lot of people that would be on a level with Philip K. Dick, at least in, in terms of, um, examining his surroundings and trying to make some kind of a, some kind of a sense with this uh, environment in which we find ourselves thrust like n- nothing uh, to Philip K. Dick nothing he took nothing at face value and uh, this is this story is just great it's it's wonderful and it's one of those things that I never ever would have expected to find in the current heavy metal. But uh, there, there's a, a story in here called uh, Bug House by David Hine. Good old David mm. Hine. Yeah, and Mark Stafford. Nice. It's just about a pair of exterminators that, mm-hmm. that go to this old woman's house. And, and the woman, her uncle was a collector. And uh, he got stuff from all over the planet. And um, used, like mummified or taxidermied things and and idols and and just bric-a-brac from uh, countries all over the world. But unfortunately, when the packages came in, they were infested with something other than the the, the items in question. So the house became infected, infested, and these two uh, exterminators were brought in to to clean up the place. And and it's not your typical abode. <laughs> the the uncle was. There's there's anthropomorphic bugs involved, and it's it's mm-hmm. awesome, it's great. But I mean, if you've been off the heavy metal bandwagon for a while, give it another try. I think mm-hmm. C- it's on the upswing as far as I'm concerned with Sealy. Good job. Do you know Tim. how it's doing sales wise? Because I know that with Morrison, there was a lot of hoopla when he took over that it was going to be resurgent, and uh, it certainly was not. No, no, it wasn't. I'm I'm thinking they're doing as well as they've ever done. Uh, my only. Well, when you say ever, not I mean. No, not as not, not the yeah. you know the, the heyday yeah. of heavy metal, but right. um, my my I have a small beef with the cover price of ten bucks. What is it? Ten bucks for how many pages? Hundred and hundred and fifty. Oh, I mean, no, it's a, <laughs> well, the average I, U.S. comic book is twenty-two story pages for four ninety-nine now. Yes, yeah. I mean, wasn't wasn't the the last Dark Knight book ten bucks for less than sixty pages? Yeah, but that's Frank Miller. I mean, not from ten bucks. I mean, not, not CBS, but still, yeah, I know, yes, yeah, Frank Miller. But that's one story. Here's an anthology. 
Yeah, hundred and some odd pages. Yeah, and now uh, and they. I mean, yes, it's it's expensive for a magazine. I'm not going to. Yes, I mean, well, what we're used to paying. I mean, it, it used to be six bucks, five bucks, six bucks. And, well, and but it's. I don't mind paying the ten bucks when the content is on this level or greater, right? Right. Uh, I wasn't happy paying that price. Uh, I think it was may have been either eight eight ninety nine when Morrison was was doing it. I I don't think the Morrison issues were worth anywhere near that. I it mean, just now, seemed like they were scooping shit. Um, just through, like, I we all have a predefined. We have this mental image of heavy metal, right? Yes, I do. I yes. think Arzak by Mobius. And and Druyer, you and, know, right, and, and, and and right, yes, yes. and yeah, sure. Ragnaroks, ranks, ranks, yeah, yep. Uh, but uh, and for a lot of years, it, it came nowhere near that, and mm-hmm. it, it's hard to see, you know, when 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 you had this magazine that set the the standard for um, science fiction and 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 fantasy and and do a lot of like horror too it it was just the place to go for cutting edge world-class illustration and then for right. a lot of, lot of years it wasn't um but when you have corbin in there uh yeah you got to take notice right because he's the best of the best but i i thought this issue not to belabor the point this issue was was very um gratifying to read because yes it's 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 coming back and you get a lot of text pieces not a lot you get text pieces on uh like the artist spotlight in there uh there's two of them i i thought the issue was just wonderful so i'm happy to report this. that's great now i i'm gonna ask you a question that you you probably have no basis to answer so apologies in advance wow but if you had no i'm saying if you had to speculate why is Seely getting it and Morrison didn't? Like, like from relative to whatever their their job in this role is, what what do you attribute Seely Seely's success? Where Morrison, who let's admit, I mean, we know Tim personally, but Grant Morrison is a far more iconic name to be at the head of the of of the of the company. So, so why is uh why is our our Chicago buddy getting it done where our our Scott Scotsman legend is not? Hmm. That's it's an actually a very good question. I I don't I can only speculate. I love you're surprised I asked you a very good question. No, like, oh, that's actually a good. Question. I, I can speculate, right? Oh, I yeah. think I think Tim is more earthy, mm-hmm. more grounded than it's Morrison. Like that air of pretentiousness. Yeah, yeah. I don't think as as I've said many times before. I don't think Tim. I don't think Seely looks in the mirror every morning and says, "Oh, you are a right clever bloke." <laughs> you know, I. I don't think he's yeah. he's all that in, in, enraptured with himself. Uh, he just wants to get it done and get it done well. I, I but I'm I, I could be speaking out my ass. Morrison could I, I could have agree. struggled. You know I don't know. Um, but from what the 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 star machine has led us to believe, I, I think Morrison is, is far too invested in himself to realize when he's making a bad decision. Uh, that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah, but nice. someone more learned than than I could come on and say you're you're nuts. Grant struggles over every word, and you may not think right. it, and he may project this this king mob persona. You know, I don't know. 
I, I, but just from uh, from what the 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 media machine would lend us to believe, it just seems that Morrison is is convinced of his superiority. Mm. I don't know. Well, I'm I'm happy conceptually that heavy metal's back on track, but I'm mainly happy because it makes you happy. It's one of those things, right? That yeah. the heavy metal has been there. Almost the entire time that I've been reading comics. When that movie came out, it was one of the things that I tried desperately to sneak watch on <laughs> HBO. One of my parents didn't notice. I tried so hard to find a way to watch it. It's a cartoon, it. man. Leave me alone. Oh, I know. Cartoons with the boobies. <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't even remember when that movie came out. I was young. I mean, 80, I got 80, it. Uh... Had, to, had to be like single digits. But man, I still remember that movie like it was yesterday. Because it seems so naughty that I got to, to, to sneak it. Um, and for you young listeners, this is before there were things like online porn. <laughs> we didn't we didn't have that. So yeah, it came yeah, out. We met the cartoon. So seeing an animated uh, nude woman at uh, the ripe age of like ten was a very very special thing. Came out in eighty one. Oh, I was seven, but I was think. But this is when it was on cable, so it was probably a couple years after. That. In like the in like the mid eighties, so I was probably preteen. Yeah, um, I flip flopped on the movie. I loved it when it came out. Mm-hmm. I kind of can't stand it now. I, th- I, I haven't seen it. Yeah, I, I mean, think I, it's it's it's. Aside some, from the Bernie Wrightson sequences, the Wrightson sequences are great. Like Captain Stern's awesome, yeah. and the bomber sequence is really good. But they fucked up Den. I I, yeah. I I I I think the so beautiful and so dangerous part was just horribly truncated i don't think the animation's all that great uh, yeah i i'm not loving it now it it it's it's a curiosity and and it's it's a uh a film of its time but it you know it, i don't think it does the job now the the rights and se- sequences still do other than that yeah yeah i mean i haven't seen it in so long i can't even speak to it anymore i just remember the nostalgia bomb that it was emotionally for a young kid to lay eyes on some of those concepts <laughs> yeah for a lot of years i mean it, it it existed in limbo because of the soundtrack can we just talk for a minute about how spoiled our kids are like <laughs> our kids get to watch pretty much free cornucopia of erotica whatever they feel like watching and you know fingers crossed it's nothing too freaky they can see it for free in high def. We they don't know what we had to go through. Like, it was a struggle, man. Like, like you had to go out into the woods and hope somebody drops some Playboys or yeah, or, or like a Sears Wish Book or like a like a Victoria's Secret catalog was like lottery. Yeah, <laughs> it was like or like you know if you had cable back in the day when cable was first happening, you'd have that box where you had to flip to the the, the dial at the tiers and if you went back and forth real fast with the dial you could kind of see like every third second of a movie and you try and like check out the cinemax movie and watch it on like it was as if it was uh like an old flip book animation you just see every couple seconds of imagery but but it was worth the effort back then so these kids don't know they don't know we had to fight we had to fight for our nudity yeah That's true. uh god bless marvel because the marvel magazines and and warren were the only way I could get that for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Maybe that's why they're they're so close to my heart was because of all the boobies. 
I don't know. I, I, I remember the first time I went to a uh, convenience store and bought a penthouse. I it was, was so it, confident. It, I went in like strutting. <laughs> did you really? Yeah, because I think a friend had said, oh, this guy will sell, sell us porn mags if you go in there. Like, he doesn't care about your age. I think I was uh, 15 or 16. Rolled right in after school one day. Grabbed one like it was my destiny. Put it down with the, with the five spot right there. Guys took the money. Put it in a brown paper bag. History was made. Nice. I, I subscribed. Had I had two pull lists in high school. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I subscribed to Penthouse, but mm-hmm. you know, uh, back in the day when you can subscribe to a magazine without paying for it, and they'd start sending it to you, and then you'd get the bill and you'd, you'd pay for yeah. it. But, uh, yeah, the old Columbia House model. Yeah, so um, the magazine started coming to the house, and uh, I would inter- intercept them before mom and dad got the mail. Unfortunately, uh, Dad got home early and, mm-hmm. and, and, and you know, had me off at the pass one issue. It's like, why are we getting this? I'm like, I don't know. I didn't subscribe to this shit. I didn't get it. You know, it wasn't me. But, of course, it was. Yeah, we didn't. Um, we had. Uh, there, weren't, there weren't many issues of, play, of Penthouse. There was um, Dad had a subscription to Playboy. We ended up with we. There, there were some issues of we in the house, um, and that was probably the most risque. But yeah, anything, anything, scary, yeah, anything harder than that. Hustler was 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 uh, was later on down the line. Puritan, there was all that. That, that was later. Oh, Puritan was nasty. It really was. It <laughs> Yikes. Really was, uh, I remember Club Magazine was the first time I saw like actual penetration, like like on the page, and I thought, "Wow, <laughs> yeah." There was a time when I don't know if Guccione thought, "Hey, we really need to step things up to compete with the other guys." In in Penthouse, there was like water sports and yep. food. <laughs> I know this, this show's going off the rails, and apologies <laughs> to anyone that's plenty of listening with their kids in the house. Those are the kids, um, yes, dude. So I have been doing. A, ver- a very simple version of fantasy baseball. It's just ba- it's called the home run pool. It's just you draft a player at each position, and all you do is track their home runs for the year. I've been doing this now for since 1994. So I remember one of the first years after college, because that was during college. After college, we got together at my buddy Matt Fredericks's place to have a live draft because it was really just an excuse for all of our college buddies to stay together, and we still do it to this day for that reason. Um, and to your point, Vince, I remember bringing with me three penthouses because that was the year when they switched to full penetration and crazy stuff. Like you were saying, water sports. And I wanted to show the guys, cause I thought it was baffling after like decades of penthouse being, you know, more risque than playboy. Cause it was full frontal with sexualized positions, but they still never actually showed sex acts. Until one day they just made this switch, probably because of the advent of of video porn and the stuff like that. They felt like they had to compete, but yeah, right. I still remember that like it was yesterday. It was insane. Oh yeah, it's like what? That doesn't look, that does not look fun. I know. <laughs> what else do we have, gentlemen? Well, so, <laughs> I, I mean, I'll I'll, I'll I'll segue so <laughs> we can just um, move on past the. Um, the heavy metal talk, but also tie in the episode number. I, I did finally read Iron Maiden Legacy of the Beast, and 
now we can move on. No, it, it was. Can we uh, just say finally, as if this was something that uh, was this was something that was being they, anticipated? Well, you do, do you not lo- subject, know his love of Iron Maiden? Based on the subject matter, you would think I'd have eaten this up. Every, I, I would have. It would have been my in your travels for five times in, when it was coming out. So, um, I mean, listen, the fact that I it wasn't, Douglas I tried Adams, it. but I don't like Douglas Adams comics. Just because you like Iron Maiden, I wouldn't have assumed that you're all about the Iron Maiden comic. Well, hope persists, doesn't it? Right, right. And, it's and Iron this, Maiden. Yes. Don't and, say and, it but, like that. It's Iron Maiden. I'm, what does that even was, mean? Uh, but see, if but it like, was Iron no Maiden based... But there's no story to it. They're a rock band. Like, what, no, like, they're, oh. they're a rock band, but but Eddie, their mascot, you could tell stories with him. He's he's on the cover of all their albums. You could do things based on the, the, the image in your head from Peace of Mind or Number of the Beast or Power Set. Like you could, you but could every one of their songs is a story. I mean, yes, there's And Ace is High fucking stories. comic would be great. But unfortunately, Legacy of the Beast um, is uh, it's it's based on the mobile RPG Iron Maiden Legacy of the Beast, and and so because it's not based, which which I'm sure you know is which which I've I played sort of I, I started it and I wasn't. Um, <laughs> I wasn't really. I, I I don't I don't like playing those types of games on on the phone. Um, let me sit at my at my laptop or, or something like that. That that's one thing. But because it, it, it's it's why I don't really play. I don't enjoy fighting games or 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 RPGs on my phone. I I, I prefer puzzle games, things like that. Um, so because the story is based on the game and not really based on anything that. I appreciate about the band. Um, it was it was kind of a non-starter for me. The, the art by by Kevin West isn't isn't bad at all. It, it, it's Kevin West and, and Jason Gorder on inks. Um, the story is by Lexi Leon, who I guess was had a hand in the game, uh, but Ian Eddington, Edgington, sorry, uh, writes the um, writes the script for the comic, but. Uh, the colors remind me in, in some regards of, of, of Zetascope. Um, it's, it's very bright and, and digital colors, source backgrounds go, things like that. But the clear Voin is there to save Eddie and Eddie has to reclaim the, uh, the three shards that comprise his soul because the beast took his soul and shattered it. And, um, and, and, passed it out to the wicker man the straw man and 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 horace and um the the axis general uh so eddie has to fight these bosses so he can get to the to the big boss level um but it doesn't end it it's at the end of the five issues the fifth legacy the beast this is book one the second the second volume that that's solicited in this month's previews that that continues the story um the clairvoyant, um, the supporting character in the next book, I guess, is is the alchemist. But um, yeah, I mean, he he's and he's you know wearing his, his leather jacket. It's got the six 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 on the back, but it's not like you know it's, it's not. Aside from it being Eddie, there's um, Eddie R. Horace reminds you of of the covered power slave, and the beast kind of looks like. The devil on, on on the album cover, but there's also no real connection to like if if the band was playing 
in the background and on in one of the issues or something or if you know if eddie was was in the van to 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 go see charlotte the harlot or something that would just like, say this is cool see i don't know the, looking at the covers here it looks like it's e- extremely entrenched in the iron maiden universe it, yeah, I, the, covers, I, the, the covers oh the, the, this is this is one of those and and for the most and, and the variant the variant covers um play up the the band connection more than the standard covers there's when when you look at the covers yeah which again you know to to i mean you got aces high you got power slaves yes yes uh, yeah the covers the, look great which again which was 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 something else for for me to to be excited about like hey this is there's there's something here and um sadly though that um Oh, it's too bad. I mean, it 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 happens. I mean, it's I, if if like I said, they were selling the issues at at, at New York Comic Con. They 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 seem to be selling them, and uh, and it sold well enough, I guess, for Heavy Metal to to come out with a second volume. And I, I'm pretty sure it's just not these two. Uh, I I don't know if it'll be a trilogy or if there'll be more beyond three, but I'm pretty sure. Um, They'll continue it, but yeah, it was just it was one of those things. But I could finally say, I, I did read it. I, I kind of, I I put it off for a while because I did try the first issue, and I was like, yeah, that's 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 unfortunate. But I was like, fuck it, let me. We got time now. Let me just let me let me hunker down and um, and power through this. And I I wanted to like it. I think it's 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 drawn well for for the for the most part. I I I dug the sequences. Eddie looks cool, um, but yeah, I just I, I I wanted something I guess mostly based on the music and not and not a video game. Huh? Yeah, you're a braver man than I, Gungadin. I have a relatively quick one. Oh, make it happen. Yeah, well, um, Mowgli's yeah. mirror style. I I I don't want to discount this issue because it's extremely well done but if i told you it was the nom with funny animals that's basically what it is i don't think there's any need to extrapolate beyond that um it's it's from antarctic written and drawn by motofumi kobayashi it's called cat shit one Uh, (laughs) yeah cat cat shit one Volume one, it, volume one, issue one. It it is, um, a mission by mission, uh, investigation of the Vietnam War. And the the principal players are funny animals, rabbits, bunnies, cats. Uh, so they're in in the thicks, uh, the thick of Vietnam in the jungle. I mean, it is the Nam. With funny animals, everything you saw or read in the Nam, the the um, being in situations where you could die at any moment, um, uh, in strange, claustrophobic lands in in a jungle with snipers and um, other kind of um, deadly things you know pits where you can fall in and and be impaled on a punji stick um uh, agent orange and 
uh, the whole lack of support by the forces for which you are actually fighting, um, the, the, that really tense time when you call for air support and it doesn't get there, uh, like all that is in here. It's just done w- with funny animals. And, and, I, and it's unlike the nom, the language is, is raw and real. Um, but also, like uh, Marvel's great series, you, there are instances where characters have to uh, say goodbye to their own. They see their friends die in front of them. That's a lot of the reason why um, these people came back from this war broken and 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 uh shadows of their former selves and you get that feeling from this comic um but the like i said the the major players are are rabbits um and cats and and all, all sorts of different kind of animals but um uh, which makes me um remember the time when i i said to jason let's do funny animal comics like mouse and jason's like mouse is not funny it's not funny animals but the the genre is called funny animals whether the the content is is humorous or not and this falls firmly under the the banner of funny animals it's just that you see these funny animals getting shot to pieces and blown up um there's a uh, text pieces in the back uh like the nom right that that further flesh out the vietnam war uh terrible time and uh, there's a color section that's beautifully rendered. It's just amazing. But if war is not your thing, and the 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 realness of war, if you don't like having your head or your face shoved in the brutal nature of, of armed combat, then I don't think this book is for you. But I thought it was amazing. And the thing is, it, I think it's already done. But Antarctic is adopting that age-old format when they used to piece out um, manga. Back in the day when manga first hit the United States, they would put, I don't know, say, My Sanikoku, Chapter 1. And then the next month you'd get Chapter 2. And it took friggin' forever to read these books. Because manga, we know, goes on for huge amounts of pages. And to do it piecemeal like that, like Studio Proteus, to put out a little tiny 32-page manga chapter, it's like, that doesn't even scratch the surface of, that's one character moving from one side of the room to the next, right? In some manga, it's it's extremely decompressed. Right. Uh, but but not this. This is, um, I, I just, I, I don't understand why they just didn't do trade paperbacks. Uh, if there is a volume one, there will be a volume two. Right, so why not just release them in volumes instead of single issues? But I mean, whatever. Um, and it's nice because certain terms within the narrative, of which you might not be aware, they are there's editor's notes. So you get the little asterisks next to it, and they'll say uh, BDA bomb damage ex- uh, assessment. Like I wouldn't mm-hmm. know. I don't want to know what that meant. Um, no, it's 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 a wonderful. If war could be called wonderful, right? It's it's a wonderful little comic. It just it, you will be uh, somewhat entertained mm-hmm. and you will be informed um, on on that the you know the horrors of war. It's not awesome. Uh, it's I think it's great, but um, unlike Mouse, I don't think there's a thematic or conceptual um, decision behind making 
like the North Vietnamese are cats, but there's also cats yeah. within the 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 U.S. forces. So I don't All think right. it's like okay, like in in Mouse, the Germans were cats and the the Jews were mice, which conceptually is is a very powerful statement. But in this, I don't think mm-hmm. there's any kind of forethought into making you know which uh, races. What right. what you know what I mean? But um, I just no. got uh, a new collection of mouse like a week or two ago on my shipment. There's another one. What is it? it it's, I'm sure it's a complete volume, right? Yeah. No. Well, it's 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 both volumes in a slipcase. Huh. Like the 30th anniversary, whatever whatever the anniversary would be, it's that anniversary edition. Uh, it was solicited a few months ago. I think it was one of those deals where it was solicited like more than two months ago. It was like you know advanced solicit. Um. Yeah, I just I'd place the order. I I have a, a beat up copy of, of of the mouse book, so I just thought it'd be nice to have a pristine shelf porn version. Yeah, it was weird. It was it was they, they, they were selling the two volumes, and then I don't even know if it was the same publisher, but yeah, there was the, the following month in previews. There was I wouldn't call it enhanced, but there was something different about the previous, and I I and I mentioned them. I think both in. My videos because it's still something I I haven't I haven't read but I I haven't ordered either so I was trying to decide which one I, I'm glad I waited for one month because then a, a I guess a better version came out the following but yeah you're you're right it mm-hmm. is like the the 30th anniversary I think I told you guys the story about the nom to, before right why it's meaningful to me mm, you may have but unfortunately I don't remember. Yeah, well, my my stepfather I, my parents were divorced. Uh, for the listeners, my parents were divorced when I, before I was two, and they both got remarried before I was four. So I had a stepmom and a stepdad for my entire memory. Um, and so I lived with my mother and my stepfather f- until I was a teenager. And he was a, a good he, he was a good man, um, but very closed off. We didn't have a, a very strong, uh, you know, emotional connection. But he was a good person, and I think he you know cared a lot about me and was a provider. Good person. But uh, he was a uh, Vietnam vet, like many men of his age, and uh, was a POW, and uh, was a drill instructor in the Army Reserve uh, for most of my childhood. Uh, and I bring all this up because um, I, I, he just never talked about Vietnam. You know, he was again, I think, not alone. I think he was probably not, not, uh, not, not atypical of the men who came back from that horror show. And it was at a time when. Uh, men in America just weren't you were weak to the point of being a failure if you sought uh, psychological help or counseling or even really mm-hmm. talked about your weaknesses so so these men just came back and bottled the stuff up and had horrible PTSD and, and never, just didn't know how to cope with their with, with, with their their journey um, and he was uh, like many many guys who I think had at least on on the surface adjusted well to uh, to coming back and made made a good life for themselves Um just bottled it up. They just didn't talk about it. Um, but I was always being the analyst and the, you know, just being inquisitive in nature and wanting to know, understand how things work. I was always intrigued about his experiences there and wanted to learn more. But it was clear there was a blockage there. He just didn't feel comfortable talking about it. And then one day he came back from work. He was a flooring contractor and he came back from work. And I was in our living room reading The Numb. And uh, I don't even remember what issue it was. It was it had been coming out for a while, and I was getting it. And I had really started buying it because I wanted to try and get a sense of of what it was like because of him. And uh, he he came in and he saw the cover. You know, with the obviously he was a comic reader, but but you see the nom on the cover. You, you it, it 
it's hard to miss. And he uh, didn't really react. But then after dinner, he just out of nowhere said, uh, what were you reading earlier? And I, I explained the comic phenomenon. And, um, and he, he said, oh, could, could, could I see it? So I brought a bunch of the issues and said, here you go. And he just started leafing through it and uh, just complete silence. And he read probably four or five issues uh, just straight through without saying a word. And then he put him down and he collected himself. And then he looked at me and he said, this is incredible. I've never seen, you know, no, and this is, again, this is, this is the, uh, the eighties. So it, it, a lot has changed since then. But, but at the time he said, I, I, there's no movie, nothing that's been done about Vietnam that was anywhere close to what it was really like, except this comic you're reading. And, uh, that, flipped a switch for him and really from that point on he was always willing to talk to me about his experiences um yeah and 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 honestly it's the bond it's the only real bond emotionally we had because like i said we just didn't and that's as much my fault as it was his but but uh but we had that connection and i think that uh he appreciated that i was interested in really like not wanting to hear about it from some hero perspective but wanting to really understand it and uh and I think at the, after that point, he felt okay to talk about it. And uh, yeah, man. So so I give mad props to that book because um, a lot of comics about history are glorified, and that's fine too. I've I've got love a ton of them. New Frontier, right? I mean, it's, it's set in a certain era. And you, but but this the, the nom for those that don't know or haven't read it, it, it's it's genuine. It's genuine. And again, relative to the time it was coming out, I mean, there have been fantastic movies and documentaries and. Uh, television shows about Vietnam subsequent to that period of time that are far more accurate and in, in, in their portrayal and far more fair. But, uh, but, but of its time, it was groundbreaking stuff. This is true. And, and like the Nam, which was difficult to read, right? It wasn't uh, a feel good book. I mean, the, the, yeah, br- yeah. The, br- the brotherhood on display was, was the most, uh, compelling part of it mm-hmm. f- for me but uh yeah this book is the catch it one is like the same it, it's, it's uh, I'm, all, I'm all over it yeah, yeah it's, over it's it. not an easy read so nice can i regale you with something that was an easy read and i need you vince in particular although dap would enjoy too to read it wow sure polar i saw that four volumes right yeah you know um so I think in late 18 polar volume zero was solicited and I ordered that. Don't know why just maybe had some extra shekels in the order, whatever I ordered it. Uh, and it was, as you might expect from a zero, it was a prequel. It was the fifth volume of this dark horse series written and drawn by Victor Santos. But it was the, the, although it was the last of the five volumes, it was the first, chronologically that it introduced us to the black kaiser who is the uh protagonist antagonist what have you of the uh prior four volumes and i read that i think i talked about it on the show briefly um enjoyed it said what a fan i was of victor santos's work and then after that obviously came bad girls which we talked about and um i know vince you were a big fan of mice templar and he was the artist on that um anyway uh but i think right after that or maybe at the same time DCBS smartly had a sale on all the other volumes of Polar um, for something stupid cheap like 50% off. 
So I, I ordered them all on Moss and they have been sitting in my regime since just in the shrink wrap. Uh, so as has been my, my practice this last month, I just, they were in the st- next stack of the regime. So I grabbed them, opened them up and I sat down to read them and I read volumes one through four of polar in one sitting. Um, it is incredible. It is right up there with the, the Darwin cook Parker books right up there. I'm not going to say they're better, but they're absolutely of belong in the same tier of, of, of praise, both visually and from a narrative perspective. Um, simple premise. Um, there's an aging badass spy named the black Kaiser. Uh, we don't know his real name. Um, but like we've seen a million times in film or what have you, or, or, or other crime comics or spy comics, he's, he's getting older. Uh, but you know, his skill renown, um, are such that, uh, there's no retiring from that life, right? Like somebody's always going to come for you, whether it be someone with debts to settle or grudges or wants to build their own reputation. Um, or they want to shut him up cause he knows too much and too many secrets. There's always a target on these guys' backs or women's backs. Right? So even though dude is trying to just live out his life peacefully, it's pretty much impossible. Um, and from a story perspective, these are basically John Wick books before John Wick was a thing. At least initially, uh, Santos's first volume of this came out before the John Wick film. Um, I guess most of the other volumes have been subsequent to the films. So I'm not 100% sure that this came before Wick, but I'm pretty sure it did. But just to set the tone for people at home who don't know the stuff, this is basically like John Wick in comic book form. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's just nonstop action with a dude in suit killing everything imaginable. He and his sidekicks. Um, the, the, I love things that are written and drawn by the same creator. In fact, I'd go so far as to say, I, pref- I, pr- I wish I all, almost everything I read was that these days. It almost always is the kind of thing that makes me the most excited when you get that, that singular voice. Um, I just think there's something special about that, but his art is triumphant. And I know we've talked about Santos before, but he is like my new thing. I, I'm obsessed with him. He is uh, he's from the Risso Bruce Tim school. Um, probably more Tim than, than Risso. Uh, I'd say in terms of, especially the way he draws the ladies. Um, and the coolest part of reading all of these together is it was like a study in Santos's, uh, illustration, uh, progress through his career. Because in the first volume, uh, called it came from the cold, he just uses three colors, black, white, and red. That's it. Uh, in the whole graphic novel, uh, no, just like pure solid colors and line, line work, no shading, uh, no cross hatching, no gradients. It's, it's incredible. Um, and it really did to me evoke Parker because of that, but just a lot bloodier. Um, but then in the second volume, it's basically the same kind of style, but he adds gray, just a single shade of gray that he uses for some gray toning. Uh, and then, so you think you got him figured out. And then the third volume, it's freaking an explosion of color. It's like every color imaginable is used both tonally and for highlights, but it's all still pure, like no shading, no cross hatching, but he just goes crazy with color, you know, even though it's, it's flat colors. 
Um, and then in the fourth, which is called the Kaiser Falls, so you can imagine what happens, we go back to the original simple color schema, I think by intentionally so, to evoke uh, the full circle of the of the story. Um, but dude, these are freaking amazing. This is I'm as excited about this collection of polar books as I am not only about Parker, but 100 Bullets, and you all know how much I love 100 Bullets. Like, it's that good. Um, so I, I cannot recommend these enough. The other thing I should mention is that from a production standpoint, each of these are a little larger than a digest size hardcover, but they're horizontal. Nice. Uh, they're landscape, which I really think is great. And uh, he draws beautiful women, tons of blood, tons of killing, and the Black Kaiser is an absolute legend, John Wick level badass. Like you just cannot kill him. Um, so yeah, and the other great thing is, even though these books are have been out for some time, at least in as much as when I wrote this up for the Facebook group last week, uh, they're insanely discounted on DarkHorse.com directly or on Comicsology, like five bucks a book. So there's no excuses, people. Get on this if you aren't already. Well, how much are they for the the real copies? Um, I believe they're fourteen or thirteen ninety nine face value. So uh, the first, let's see, volume one at in stock is eleven ninety nine. Okay, they, they retail for about twenty. Volume mm-hmm. two retails for eighteen. It's ten dollars and forty three cents. Okay. Um, volume four. Is eleven and a half bucks. I don't know if they have volume three. They might. Okay. I feel like yeah. Dark Horse Digital. They're they're a little cheaper. I, I, I could yeah, I'm sure they are. Yeah. They, it looks like they have. Looks like in stock has zero, uh, one, two, and four. Okay. Okay. No, it's I, I'm just, I love Santos, and I think if memory serves, Vince, you were a huge fan of Mice Templar. Yeah, I like it a lot. And I wasn't a big fan of it. Mm-hmm. And I so correct me, help me out here. Was Oming the illustrator at first, and he handed over the art chores with yeah. kept writing it for Santos? Yeah, yeah. because okay. uh, yeah, that makes Brian sense Brian Glass was the writer, wasn't he? Oh, that's it. Okay, that makes a lot more sense to me. Okay, yeah, yeah, because I think you could say that that at least in how Santos's art looks in Mike's Templar, it is very much evocative of Oming, and Oming's part of that same school, to be fair. Um, but in this, it's very, it, like, I'm definitely underselling the art of this. It's just because it's got a graphic quality to it. Just, it's so confident in the use of solid color and it must be digital. I'm assuming I, I know that the, I mean, I know it's drawn traditionally, but the coloring obviously is digital, but this is like, um, it, it's like, we talk a lot about artists like Somni and how great the art spotting black or, or, or Gabe Hardman. And then they're amazing at it, but they're a little more painterly right in that they they use black ink but it's not like packed in for for tattoo fans you know one of the criticisms of of tattoos a lot is that uh the dark colors particularly black aren't fully packed in and it looks like it's uh almost like you see marker lines like it's 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 there's a gradient to it and it makes it doesn't look as 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 strong visually this doesn't have any of that like every color is just the pure color and so it's just striking almost like a graphic print quality like you could walk into a ad agency in LA and this would be a mural on the wall and you wouldn't think twice that kind of thing um, I just I'm totally enamored with the art like off the charts and I we have been to a million cons and I'm 99% sure Victor Santos has never been at a con that we've been at 
But sure. damn, we need to figure out how to get him to a con that we're going to be at. If assuming, of course, there's ever cons again, because um, I need to, I need to get, I need to get this dude to to make drawings for me. <laughs> drawings. <laughs> uh, and you would, Vince, you would love it because I know you. I mean, you've got this newfound appreciation for crime comics, but but uh, these are, I do think the John Wick comparison is important because these are incredibly violent. Nice. He and his he has a female protege in. Um, in the books as well. And uh, they just kill everybody. I mean, like, everybody. And I'm talking about to the point where, and I think I threw one of those images onto the Facebook group. Um, at one point, his his protege is literally covered in blood and viscera because she's killed so many people. Nothing it's, more attractive awesome. than a woman covered in blood. <laughs> viscera for the win. Yep. The, uh, oh, I, 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 oh, go ahead. Oh. Sorry. No, no, sorry. I was just going to say, um, I should mention also that this has been turned into a Netflix movie. Right. With um, uh, Mads Mikkelsen. Uh, yes, yeah, thank you. Mads Mikkelsen from Bond villain fame as uh, the protagonist. And uh, I can't tell you anything about it because I haven't seen it. So. And Cassilius from Doctor Strange. But yeah, that was. Um, oh, yeah. That, yeah was, that was my. Um, I remember I, maybe it was a little over a year ago when, when you had that. We fired up Netflix and. Um, the preview automatically kicked on for that. And it looked interesting, but then I, I, and it was right around the time I think, um, uh, Russian doll premiered. So it was, it was, we started Russian doll instead and finished that series. But by the time we got through that, um, some of our friends on, on Facebook had, uh, seen the polar movie and, um, didn't have much in the way of positive remarks. Um, yeah, but don't, I also don't, don't know if you if, have seen the Netflix movie. I'm sure more people have seen it than read the comic. Don't don't judge it relative right. to the comic. Yet. And I don't know if it was just because it was a bad movie or they were expecting it to be based on more, more in tune with mm-hmm. the book. And I th- I think it's the former. Um, but yeah, no, I, I I have seen the books from time to time, and it's something that has I, I've, I've hovered over adding it to my cart. But um, but no, you, you you speaking on it will definitely tilt it more in. In my favor, so that's um, that's a good thing. I'll, I'll look for it. Yeah, and you're right. Yeah, I got comics. I'll just got it for five. Um, I don't know if I have any credit there anymore, but yeah, there's there's uh, I will read it definitely, definitely. Please do. I, I just adored this, and and it doesn't since it's all came out years ago. I I, I can't even. I can't pull events and say this will show up in my eleven o'clock comics ballot because uh, we don't even do new to you anymore. New to me anymore, but. Uh, but I'm 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 punching myself in the genitalia over the fact that I didn't read this as it was coming out because it would have made lists. Punch harder. Mm. I'm going to. Just <laughs> wait and see. But yeah. What else, booze? Oh shit! We got to talk about the the, uh, the 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 charity thing. Then go ahead. Yes. Um. As we've uh, unfortunately discussed all too frequently lately. With the COVID, the comics industry is uh, in a tough spot. Um, the latest we're hearing, and this is very fluid, so I always say when we talk about the business side, please don't take us as a source. We're just telling you what we've heard from people that would theoretically have a good handle on it, but uh, but but we're not your source. Um, I'm hearing Diamond is telling people, te- or I should say people, telling publishers and retailers they are not planning on shipping until May 20th at the earliest. 
which uh, is a long time from now. It's another five shipping weeks. Um, but point being, a lot of people that we adore and are very talented are uh, struggling financially, as are many other people in industries. And I'm pretty gobsmacked by a- an initiative. And I, I wish I knew if you guys know, please say, I don't know who came up with this. Like, I don't know whose brain trust it was to create it. I think I know Bendis was involved very early as one of the uh, spokesmen for it. I don't know if it was his idea, but either way, uh, it's an initiative called Creators for Comics. And that would be a Twitter hashtag. So it'd be um, hashtag creators, the number four comics, all one thing. And uh, what it is, is essentially uh, a group created uh, a charitable endeavor for independent bookstores and direct market retailers. It's uh, called the, uh, it, it, the, the fund is, is being run and was launched by the uh, Book Industry Charitable Foundation, a.k.a. Bink. The website is uh, Bink, B-I-N-C, foundation.org. But uh, anyway, what it is, um, is a bunch of creators got together, got a lot of press. It was even an article in New York Times yesterday about this and said we're going to launch a Twitter auction where basically anyone is free to participate. You mention the hashtag, you mention the Bing Foundation link, and the deal is as follows. You offer something up for bid. Uh, all the bids happen on Twitter as replies. At the end of the um, at the end of the period, which is April 20th, if you're the winning bidder, you pay that agreed upon amount to the Bink Foundation link directly. Send proof of your payment to the person that uh, that you um, that you you know that that you were bidding on, and they give you the prize. And I knew that we'd see a lot of stuff, but as someone who is used to scouring the internet for art deals, this has been overwhelming. I mean, there are thousands of creators, writers, artists, uh, editors, publishers, and others offering up stuff for this initiative. And it's great. So one, I wanted to mention it just because I think there are such a variety of offerings that there's no doubt if you've been looking for a way to help support the industry, um, this is a great opportunity. And there's just like an unimaginable amount of, of things to choose from, from different price points. Like for example, not that I'm salty about this, uh, Jason Aaron doesn't do podcasts anymore. So he has auctioned off, his appearing on another, like on a podcast. So anyone who wins the bid can have him on their show. And I think the bidding is up to like $3,000 already, which is just batshit crazy. But, um, but, but anyway, but there's amazing art like Jeff Lemire put up a beautiful splash of, uh, of sweet tooth, which is soon to be, um, a Netflix show Netflix or Amazon prime, one or the other. Um, and it's been a lot of fun. Like Damon Lindelof, is the is the showrunner, and so after Jeff put it up, Damon said he would match whoever was the high bidder, and then Robert Kirkman got wind of it and said, "Oh, if Lindelof is matching, I'll pay, I'll bid ten thousand dollars on it, and if anyone, and then the, I'll give the art to whoever is the second place bidder." So just lots of fun stuff like that. I mean, there's um, there's there's artists doing portfolio reviews online. There's uh. There's like Dan DiDio's offering up a 60 minute chat just to chat about the industry and 
and answer questions. Just That's whatever right. people can think of. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, there's all kinds of neat stuff. So how you find it is you can go to Creators for Comics uh, website, just Google that. Or the, the most direct way would, again, to be, if you're familiar with Twitter, just type in on the search box the hashtag Creators, the number four comics, and it will pull up just an overwhelming amount of, of cool stuff. And last but certainly not least, uh, I'm trying to get Vince to draw something for it, but but uh, he's busy. But since the collective we is not – we're not artists or at least uh, professional artists. I, I say collective because Vince is an artist even though most of you don't get to see him do his thing. Um, we, we put up something. So um, it's pretty simple. What we have to offer is our podcast. So the deal is um, – the winning bidder, which again will be on uh, on April twentieth, um, whoever is the highest bidder will win a sixty minute appearance on the show to sit in the fourth seat, where you could uh, feel the butt imprint of people like Scotty Young and Jeff Lemire and Tom King and you all know a host of other incredible creators who have uh, sat in, as well as a lot of our buddies have sat in. So if you've wanted to come on the show but didn't know how, or you just want to riff with us for a while about whatever topic comes to mind, or you're maybe an indie creator publisher and been trying to get our attention. This is a great opportunity to do so. Again, 100% of the proceeds go to the Bink Foundation's Save the Store initiative. As you know, we don't see a penny of this. This is us paying it forward in the only way we can think of that made sense. So um, you can, you can find a link to this, uh, this bid uh, in the Facebook group. Um, also I'll post it in the, uh, I'll post it in the messages for the episode thread. And, uh, also if you're just on Twitter, I posted it under my name, uh, JV Wood, and we'll retweet it. We'll have Vince and David and, uh, and the web and the EOC Twitter, uh, retweet it as well. So you'll be able to find it however you want. And, uh, Hey, don't be bashful. Don't be bashful. Bid up, bid it up. It's for a good cause. It's right the there. truth. Yeah. I guess I should say too, we're up to I think two hundred and twenty-five bucks. Wow. Just so you know what you're getting into. That's where we're at right now. So, look at that. You gonna bid, Vince? Dude, Vinny Beats should should bid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, get pressed. Get. Oh my god, I'd love to have Colin and Vinny Beats on an episode. It would be a oh nightmare. It'd be a nightmare. Not We'd probably be talking a language we would we wouldn't even understand. Seriously, yeah, it's like when when you speak sometimes, and I'm like, "What the hell is he talking about?" <laughs> the the gap between I think I'm pretty I'm a fairly eloquent cat. Oh, you are, but you use a lot of you know that's so dope. Like you use the the, the oh, yeah, dope is such a no, but you know what I mean. Shut up. Press would be more the better example. Yeah, yeah get pressed. Nice. <laughs> what else we got? Um. Well, I originally added this to the book of the month, and it didn't win. So uh, there's there's really not a whole lot to to uh, embellish. Again, it's 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 like catch it one. You know it. You know it's great stuff. Um, it's from uh, Clover Press, recently published. It's the Spirit, an 80th anniversary celebration by Will Eisner, and the deal here is that. Um, Four classic Will Eisner stories have been recolored by uh, Laura Martin and Jeremy Cox. 
There's nine stories total. The other ones are in black and white. You get introductions by, let's see, um, Paul Levitz, Dennis Kitchen, Bo Smith, Diana Schutz, Craig Yeo, Dean Mullaney, Bruce Canwell, Charles Brownstein, and Greg Goldstein. Um, I, I don't think I have to really go into detail about Will Eisner's work, especially on The Spirit, right? It is uh, among some of the best comics ever made. So uh, you get nine examples of that here. The The thing that uh, I find really compelling about this book is that they colored not only the origin story in which Denny Colt is going up against Dr. Cobra and he gets doused with the, the chemicals that they were going to dump into the water supply and that's how he dies and becomes the, in quotes, and becomes the spirit and it gets the whole ball rolling. But uh, you get wanted, which is like one of my favorite spirit stories of all time. Um, these were solicited as soft covers, but they I don't think they were descriptive enough because, yes, they are soft cover, but they're flexi cover, which is awesome, right? And the cover price is twelve ninety nine. That's a not a whole lot of money for some of the best comics ever created. I would say it's about 130 pages, real slick, uh, coated paper. It's a great value, like the Kevin Eastman and the uh, the Pirates volume. They're just really neat to have on your bookshelf. Although for some weird freaking reason, um, all three volumes of the Clover Press books that were recently published. They all have a different footprint. They're different different heights. Like, why? Why would you do that? I don't know. Maybe because the original work is not in proportion with the um, size of the pages that would have been uniform among all three. I don't know. But they're all, like, so now it looks like a, a row of bad teeth on the bookshelf. Should you, <laughs> should you decide to shelve these things together? But nonetheless, they're great value and I think you should look into them from Clover Press. The Spirit, 80th anniversary celebration. You can't go wrong with the Spirit. It, no. It, it's the, dismissal of the Spirit is a deal breaker for me. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, if someone... Well, the only reason I say really is because in today's parlance, I think there's some legitimate... Like, if I was a young buck, there's some legitimate racial issues with the book that make it hard to yeah but i'm talking in terms of well okay yeah there's some but i, I don't see ebony in any of these stories which i think was a wise decision yeah. um yeah, sure yeah and it's it's why darwin also changed the character uh but yeah no it, it's yeah it's one of those things where it's it's of an era it's of its time and and, and it's it's uncomfortable it, 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 it i'll Back Vince up in the sense that um, you can't dismiss Eisner's contribution, and 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 yeah, he may have made some poor choice, but so has everybody. Just about every other comic creator from that time has made questionable choices inside or outside of the business. But um, I, it's like somebody who wants to say the Beatles ain't. Ain't a big deal. It's like just because you may not be a fan of the music doesn't mean you 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 can't dismiss what they've meant to the industry. 
Yeah, I I acknowledge the racial shortcomings or right. or that's not why you enjoy it. But that's not it. it uh, yes, they exist, and right. I'm I'm not black, so that's not the same. I thing. see it, and it's like, oh, that's unfortunate. So it doesn't impact me in a meaningful right. way, other than right. seeing uh, a group of people portrayed in anything less than humanistic terms. So I I understand, mm-hmm. but but it, it to 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 Eisner's credit, spirit treated Ebony like, even though he was a young black man, he treated him like everybody else, mm-hmm. uh, even and and somewhat more. He confided in him. He he was his 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 um a companion of sorts, right? So I don't know, but w- yeah, I, I didn't mean to, to like to to devolve this or discredit your your enjoyment of the. I, I no, 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 no. I under, I completely understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but that you know so. The the racial stuff on on the side it does exist it is there, um, I don't really think it was, uh, it well obviously it was intentional but I don't think it was in there to demean anybody, character type regardless but anyway, but if you look at the structure and the craft behind the spirit, um, it's pulpy but I'm talking purely in terms of drawing and the and the sequentials and the 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 pacing and the effects that that Eisner did with the lettering and the way he integrated the lettering into the actual form of the panel, I, there's a reason why Eisner's regarded as one of the best of all time, and because he was, mm-hmm. and and so that's why I, I say when when anyone shits on the spirit, I gotta I gotta give him the side eye because <laughs> you know while there there's there's stuff in there that may not be socially acceptable today. In terms of craft, Eisner's up there with the best of the very, very best. Mm-hmm. And, and to to just poo-poo it because of, you know, some unfortunate inclusion of, of something that, and say, ah, I ain't reading that. It, it, they are, they remain some of the all-time best comics ever. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I really liked uh, when Morita did it, too. It was a lot of fun. Sure. It was. No, I mean, I know he's, I'm not saying he's either. I'm just saying. Oh, yeah. I thought the Mortez stuff was great. And the Mm -hmm. spirit in any form works for me. And uh, our boy from Suits, Dap, was the star of the movie. Was the star of the movie. And as much as you could be the star in a Frank Miller made spirit movie, but yes. Oh, damn. Um, Never saw the movie, actually. Yeah, we've seen a bit of it. We haven't finished it because actually Hulu. Had it. I don't know if they still do, but I I don't know what the hell it was. It must have, it must have been one late evening, and we were still feeling it. So so we were scrolling through available movies and on streaming, and landed on that. And my wife saw the trailer, and because she was a fan of Suits for a time, she um and and Samuel L. Jackson's in it, who who just acts batshit crazy. So that's always a good time. So um. I said sure and we fired it up and and we were watching a good chunk of it um and it is it's it's ridiculous and i know it's it is it's not will's spirit and that's fine so if 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 frank miller wants to do a spirit movie and 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 he had will's blessing and 
and that's that's great and and as long as you realize you're not getting mm-hmm. that then then go and have 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 a good time and um and yeah but it is it's it's a movie um there are some beautiful women in that movie there are absolutely some gorgeous mendez garjo even mendez, Garjo, yes. even uh, mendez doing a taking a photocopy of her ass in the movie yeah i mean yeah, Jamie King, I think, is the lead, right? She's the lead actress. But uh, yeah, yeah, there's beautiful women in that film, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, Frank could get a cast together, no doubt. He was in the movie, too. Yep. 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 So I kind of love the movie. I, mean, I know you do, which is why Vince, I'm not... What's that gonna... movie That movie that you and I like? Um, Sucker Punch. Thank you, yes. <laughs> Thank you for knowing it immediately. Yes. Yes. I think you Sucker Punch is, is fucking track. awesome. Everybody hates it. Yeah, I don't I love it. I don't I understand it. it. It's, it's I a, think if you played games where FMV was a big part of it. Yeah. Right? Because for me, I'm speaking of that, fucking Amazon, I'm, I was supposed to get the new, fan, well, not new, but the, re, the redone Final Fantasy like three days ago. It's quarantine, yo. I got time to play this. Let's get it here. But Damn. why? Why? What do you mean why? I don't understand why the need to remake Final Fantasy VII. It's because per- it's the greatest. But it's perfect JRPG the way it ever. is. It's perfect the way it is. Well, I, yeah. I mean, but it's like, why do we buy slipcased collections of comics we already own? That's it's, it's not the it's same nice thing. thing. It is absolutely the same. It is not the same thing. They're redoing the graphics of Final Fantasy VII. They are definitely not the same thing. They're a hundred percent the same thing. They are not. The, the friggin' it is identical. In the original, Cloud is this little pixel guy, right? That there's no 3D realism to it at all, and yet now you get this thing that's one level removed from real life it's well, not the I same thing all fantasy final fantasy games so giving me the modern final fantasy imagery with the story of seven which was the one of the first that we all fell in love with oh yeah uh i'm just all for anyway point being how much was it 60 regular game yeah 60 our Slack group noted that it's actually only one-third of the original game. What? Yeah. So if that turns out to be true, then I feel like I got ripped off. But I'm still going to play the fuck out of it. I like the game a lot. It was one of the first games that we had to say goodbye to a character. Like, someone act. I won't spoil it. Someone actually dies in the game. Yeah. And I was like, what? This Listen, is- I, I just am a mark for the Final Fantasy games. I, yeah, I just, me too. Yeah. Be they as they are. I mean, a lot of them are good. Most of them are real good. Some of them are not. But, you know, you'll have your up and ups and downs in any game franchise. Uh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. All right. Your, is, is seven your favorite? Oh, by far. Yeah. Yeah. I played the hell out of it. Um, how many discs was the original? Like four? Three? Four oh, discs? I probably, yeah. It was crazy. I I, uh, I got to be honest with you, seven is awesome. But I think for me, ten is my favorite though, because mm. that's when it made the leap graphically. Yeah, and when it came out, I think which was two thousand or two thousand one, 
I know all our Gamerhead listeners are probably yelling at me. Probably have that wrong. But I think it was around that time, just based on where I was in my life when I remember playing it. Uh, that was one of those games where I just couldn't believe that I was looking at what I was looking at visually and yet still able to control the characters. And, uh, yeah, so I just I played the shit out of that. I probably put 300 hours into that game. I've played almost all of them. Um, I think the last one I played was Lightning Returns, and I, I know there's I don't play the the online ones. I have no time for that. Uh, but the the standalone games, I think I played them all. I think they're too real now. And yes, I pause the characters and adjust the camera to zoom up to see you know the side boob and stuff. Everybody does it, but right. Uh, and it just they just there's a a uh, a realism level in it that I think are way too high. I'm I I far prefer the sevens and around, like Final Fantasy Tactics. I thought was great. I can't go sign with that. No. Mm mm. Wow. No, wasn't a fan. Huh. All good though. Yeah, sure it is. Yep. Favorite video game of all time. That Final Fan, yeah. I mean, well, the Final Fantasy series would be, I guess, if like a, if a single game would have to be Skyrim. No shit. Yeah, I've played Skyrim all the way through twice, meaning like all the way through, like with full character development from start to finish twice. Wow. Why? What would be yours? Oh, jeez, I don't even know. I was just asking. <laughs> I was just asking you. Um, I mean, none of us are hardcore gamers relative to a lot of our audience. But. Yeah, no, no. I I dabble. Same. I mean, I you know I have my favorites. I think uh, Halo Two is a phenomenal game. Never played it. Um, but uh, we're you know we're talking. I have a list, none of which anybody would know. But, yeah. I think the next game I'm going to try is Persona Five. I already own it. Mia likes those a lot. Yeah, yeah. I just love JRPGs. Like and they're not they're a dying they're a dying type of game. We get maybe one or two a year. So anytime one rises to the point where it gets beyond the hardcore Kotaku nerds and makes my earshot, I uh, generally order it just to have it for if I feel like playing. Cool. All right. Well, look at this. We've come our, around full circle. Uh, thank you for listening to this. Everybody, if you would be so kind to take a peek at our sponsor, Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. If you're not an initiate, wow, after looking at their prices, um, you will be because you're going to get them your books and your bric-a-brac from the previous catalog as inexpensively as possible. You're not going to find prices like these anywhere else. Dark Horse Month continues. Barbalian, Red Planet number one, uh, $1.99. Lady Baltimore, The Witch Queens, number one, $1.99. And You Look Like Death, Tales from the Umbrella Academy, number one, is also $1.99. In your travels. Wow. Um, I've been dragging this book um, <laughs> along for a while. You know, we, uh, we list on the Slack everything we've read, and I think this showed up three times, which is a rarity for me. Yes, yeah, so you just so, clear it out. Dap and I just carry things over. You, 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 you wear it out. Yeah, sometimes, right. And I wanted to talk briefly about it because I think it's phenomenal, but 
it's in line with a lot of the things I talked about tonight where I think embellishment is unnecessary. It is from uh, Viz. It is the Transformers, the manga, volume one, story by, by uh, Masumi Kaneda with art by Ban Magami. I thought it was phenomenal, uh, but it doesn't, uh, in some respects, it does stray from the source material. In others, not so much. The setup is the same. The Cybertronian Civil War extends beyond the bounds of the planet because they're looking for resources to, to continue their war and, and the Autobots come to Earth and the Ark, you know, smashes down and, and it's the mm-hmm. standard, the standard, uh, Transformers setup, right? But it is manga. So it's a li- I mean, it's, it's the, the fact that it came out in Japan, uh, Spike with Wiki, is now uh, changed to Kenji, the number one name for Japanese kid sidekicks. Uh, this Kenji kid uh, integrates with the Autobots uh, to the point where he even wears like a an Optimus Prime hat or helmet. Um, but the Transformers have signature moves, like Bumblebee has a bumble kick. And he smashes the fuck out of Soundwave and breaks breaks the uh, the door to the cassette chamber, so like Ravage and the cassettes can't go back in. It's nuts. And uh, if you're a Transformers purist, there may be things in here that would tweak you a little bit. Like there's Gestalts in here, and some of the bots in the Gestalts are. Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Like they, we know that say, Bruticus is comprised of these bots. Well, in here, if a bot is missing, another bot can take its place as the leg of of whatever. That's a little weird, right? Because we know Gestalts are made up of of a set number of bots, all of which have to be, you know certain ones well in this they can swap out it's a little strange um but you get Triptychon, menasaur uh it's a it's it's jumps in transformers lore pretty like predikings in here oh man i need this you know uh god damn yeah this is pretty awesome the drawing is phenomenal uh well she's uh, no surprise especially the bots but not only do you get 200 pages of manga, you get a, an extensive back section in full color of all of the uh, preliminary and promotional drawings. And they're just out friggin' standing. Uh, the vehicles, the Sharktacons in the back, um, group shots, promo images, it's, it's just phenomenal. And it's hardcover. So, so it's a hardcover, 300-page Transformers book for twenty four ninety nine, and uh, spot varnish on the cover. Uh, it's cheaper if you get it at a discount, like from Instock Trades or something. But I thought it was wonderful. If you're a Transformers fan, you will remain so after after reading this. Um, it's just great. I, I what what more do you want me to say? It's just great. Violence and fighting and action all over the damn place. 
Dope. Yeah. I'm surprised you didn't get it. Dude, you know, though, I'm like hit or miss with the Transformers comics. Well, this is vintage stuff, so you should have got it. I know, but like, I need to, you're my go-to source. When you endorse it enthusiastically, I give it a whirl. Needs it. You know, the Guido Guidi, sure, I'm on that. You know, Vince talks about it, sure, I'm on it. But like, generally speaking, I mean, Transformers, G.I. Joe, Deadpool, these are things I love, but I think more bad comic than good, in my opinion. I know you disagree on the Transformers, but... I don't like, know. Whatever. Your mileage may vary, but um, did you like yeah. the dream, Dreamwave stuff? The Transformers Dreamwave stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that I've read much of it. Okay. See, I like the like, Dreamwave stuff a lot, mm-hmm. but my son just threw me the finger. Thanks, buddy. Aw, oh, the beast. You dick. Mm-hmm. Um, Love. I, I know it's a... The, the, I mean, fandoms, but that's where Guido Guidi came from, the, the Dreamwave stuff. Right, right. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah uh, opinion is, is split, I think, on that. But, um, no, I, I yes, any incarnation of the Transformers is okay by me. But this is vintage manga, Japanese, not, not Amerimanga. This is the legit general, uh, uh, genuine article. So, I yeah, I think you need it. I mean, you had me at Predaking. Big ass Predaking. Menasaur? Trypticon? What? Oh, damn. You know, you mentioned the word gestalt, and like, I'm, I got a semi. Yeah, I'll turn you. You should. It's but a I great word, that. Yeah, I, I, I can ignore the fact that, that they'll swap out bots, <laughs> but some people may be like, what? That ain't right. Nice. Blaspheme. Isn't it crazy that manga artists don't sell their art? I mean, I know why. It's just, but it's. Nutty. Why don't they? Uh, they don't need to. It's it's an inconsequential portion of their income. But it it's, is. It's like it was in the comics in the here in the U.S. in the fifties and sixties. It's just process. It just means to an end. But say you could get, uh, I don't know, um, the equivalent of two hundred bucks for a page. The amount of pages for manga is greater than American comics, so you would think that it would be a sizable income. They, mm-hmm. they, they're yeah, paid. it's just culturally in Japan, it's just not. It's not a thing. They, there's much. There's not a market for it. Drawing it, recycle it, boom. That's yeah. insane. To your point, I mean, the two uh, shit, two hundred. Any of the the big time mangas that have pierced the cultural veil beyond hardcore manga fans that we could name off i mean if there were pages available in the u.s market they'd go for thousands i mean you talk about something like akira i mean akira would go for tens of thousands a page right i mean um i I can't think of the gentleman's name but uh the colorist for akira is a felix client and i know he's put out color guides and you know like for those of you who've ever been on ebay you can buy color guides of a lot of old comics for 25 bucks like there's really not much value to them but uh but they're readily available and and people buy them just as a just like buying a poster or something like just something to have um but the akira color guys went for four or five hundred bucks a, a page and they're just color copies of right of well i think this is interesting because they're leaving money on the table like you can't tell me that ichiro oda one piece couldn't make 
a mountain of, of cash by selling his original. Well, I think Oda is a bad example because, and I'm sure Tomio will weigh in here, Oda makes tens of millions of dollars a year. And so from that vantage, there's not much value in packaging up his It'd art. It'd be more of a pain in the ass to get to the logistics yeah. of getting everything together and shipping. It. It, it's, exactly. it's, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. But the I'm pack. sure to your point, though, Vince, there are a million manga that we're not talking about, you know, that, that are popular enough to maintain a run but aren't coming over to America and selling in tons or, or being talked about culturally or being turned into anime or whatever. And I would imagine that, like just like in our market, there got to be if you could supplement your income selling some of that art, you you you'd do so. But yeah, it's just not. I know a lot of hardcore collectors and reps, like even like Moy, have made efforts over the years to break that market open. Even making a pitch to your point, Vince, like making a pitch. Hey, this is how much I could sell your stuff for in the U.S. if you let me. And uh, it's just just not. It's just not something of any cultural value in the manga community. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, imagine how much like an Astro Boy page would go for. Oh, stop. Oh, right? Nice. But I'm yeah. saying like it would be hundreds, you could probably get hundreds of thousands of dollars for OG Astro Boy pages these days. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, Jack, how about an Uzumaki page? Holy shit. If you owned oh, an Uzumaki. Uzumaki. Stop. Saki, Saki. <laughs> Asshole. <laughs> oh, first it would depend on the platform because I enjoyed the Rolling Thunder game and Secret of Mana. Who? And Bionic Commander. We were talking about favorite games. Yeah, but what, what what's that second game? Secret of Mana. Yes. You never played uh, that? Was I think it was the first game that shipped with a battery backup. I never it heard was, of it. I, I, it. We played it for the Super Nintendo. It was basically... It was I don't, I don't want to say Fisher Price, but it was it was basically if if you're if you weren't familiar with or, or you weren't it was kind of a get your feet wet with an RPG. It wasn't it, it wasn't a a it, it wasn't a super immersive. It didn't become anything like Final Fantasy or it, but it was it was gorgeous. I love the soundtrack to it. Um, but I yeah I, I had a lot of fun with that. Um, and I think that was uh, Square, Square Enix as well. Um, and Bionic Commando for the Super NES was a hell of a lot different than the arcade version. Um, I was wrong. But what? Legend of Zelda was the first game with a battery backup. Yeah, I don't think I don't I don't think Mana had had a battery backup. Um, and uh, and Rolling Thunder, I was elated when I found a. Um, a a Sega multi-pack for the PSP and it included that game on there. And that, that was, I mean, that was just, that was a side scroller where you just kind of went around and, and popped a barricade and went up a level, down a level and, um, had a kind of a James Bondy kind of soundtrack, but, but, but you just, you infiltrated a, a hideout and, and just doctor jumped over bullets and, and, and shot, other guys but yeah i mean all, all all my favorite games are are from the 80s or 90s there really isn't anything to like i never really played arkham asylum never played any of the final fantasy stuff um but yeah so i love seeing everybody talk about the new final fantasy stuff because I, I although i had a hell of a lot of fun with unreal tournament i played the hell out of quake um 
enjoyed Doom. But most of my games are pretty plain or just um, easy to play. Maybe not all that time-consuming. But I'm going to talk about this in full next week. Um, I'm absolutely enjoying it immensely. Um, I received... It was an email we got from Europe Comics that that came with a bunch of... um, of freebies. So I was, I, I read, I started um, Spiru in Berlin by uh, the writer artist Flix. Um, and it's a large format European comic. It was originally, um, it's, uh, the publisher is, is in Belgium. Um, so it's not, it, it, it's translated to English, but. Uh, the art is very reminiscent of, um, uh, it's, oh man, I'll, I'll go deep on it next week, but it, it basically, it, it's, it's fantastic cartooning. Um, it looks amazing. It, it reminds me of, um, of, of a mix uh, between Disney and, and Herge and, some of my favorite comic strips. It just, it looks fantastic. It's available. Actually, it's available. Uh, it, it came out in 2018, actually. Um, Amazon has it, uh, but the, um, it takes place in, in, um, 1989, a few months before the, um, the fall of the, uh, Berlin wall. Um, I'm not, I'm not familiar with Spiro. I don't know how many other stories, Spiru and and his cohort Fantasio have 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 been in, but as an introduction for this, I am absolutely in love with it. I the the story's bonkers. It starts off a little bit more on the on the serious side, uh, and then we kind of enter a a a um a world of the fantastical and and yeah, kind of kind of out there. But I am absolutely in love in love with the art. There's one page in particular, um, a couple of panels at the start of the page that just, I couldn't stop looking at for the longest. It, it, I had to jolt myself out of it so I can keep reading the story. I just, I, I, the, the, the lightning effect and, um, Fantasio screaming down the highway, uh, whipping his, his convertible around. It, it just, I love those two panels specifically, but it, it, it's, it's crazy. I don't, I'll, I'll, I'll read up, on flicks and find out more about, about Spiru for next week. But I started this and, and I'm in absolute love with it. But, uh, in your travels, if you find it, if you come across it, if, if, um, cause it is available actually, um, if you go to, uh, europecomics.com, there's, you'll, you'll see it available and it's, it's available on a comiXology on Amazon, um, and you can, yeah, it, it, it's nine bucks on Comixology. Uh, Spiru, S P I R O U, in Berlin. This is remarkable kismet, Dap. Oh yeah, because this afternoon I ran, I looked through Comixology for all the Bond SNA I could find for mm-hmm. stuff that was available on Comixology Unlimited. And downloaded three Europe comics comics oh. to read. 
Okay, yes. well, I have a few others. That's not so. one of them because you paid for it. I, it wasn't available for unlimited, but but uh, but yes. So I am gonna. I've been so smitten by the uh, Europe comics I've read in the last year that I, I I did exactly the same thing and decided to uh, to delve delve in. So what were the? Uh, do you know what the three were? That the, the I don't offhand. Um, okay. I'll have to. I'll get back to you. Yeah, because I, I have. I I've, I've got about another seven or eight here. So if one of them. Oh, nice. So yeah. Right on, right on. Sweet. Right. Nice. Okay. Um, a couple months back, in your travels, a couple months back, uh, someone was kind enough to send me uh, a copy of Plate Tectonics, an illustrated memoir, uh, which was by Margot Motin. Um, for those that don't remember me talking about it, it was a story about a French uh, uh, journalist and graphic designer who, uh, she lives in Paris. She had just recently gotten divorced. And uh, it was um, it was a graphic novel hardcover, but it was basically a collection of one or two page vignettes about her life as a a single mom going through a divorce, trying to get back into the dating scene, just being a woman, modern era. Uh, very charming, very much like a Sunday cartoon strip, comic strip type of thing where you'd read one panel, two panels and laugh and idea of the day type of thing. Um, and I was so struck by it that I went back to look at uh, – what else Margot has done in comics and quickly saw that she had done a book prior to this um, in the exact same format called, uh, but I really wanted to be an anthropologist. And I had ordered that um, shortly after reading plate tectonics and finally got around to uh, reading it. And it's for those who took me up on my recommendation of plate tectonics, you'll be very familiar with uh with what you're going to get in this book, because it really is from my vantage, this book, which I think came out in 2012. Uh, but I really want to be an anthropologist is essentially volume one of an auto bio comic and play tectonics would be volume two. Now the one caveat I will say about this is that uh, it was a little sad and melancholy to read this after reading play tectonics because in play tectonics, she's divorced and uh, coming back into the scene and, in getting over her divorce and in, in this first volume, uh, she, so much of the book is about her life as a married woman and, uh, seemingly very happy. Like there's no indication in the book about, uh, stress or problems in their relationship. So it's, it's a little melancholy to know that, uh, the things she's, uh, romanticizing in this book are in fact things that go sour. Um, but, but nevertheless, uh, she is just a charming woman. She's, she's got a knack for, um, for just, very pithy observations about just life in general. Um, and just as an example, like there's a, just a one page thing where, where she draws herself um, in a playboy bunny outfit, like ears and um, uh, satin felt handcuffs and uh, thigh highs and high heels. And she's on the phone and the, the quip is, Oh, a poker game at Lawrence tonight. You'll be back late. No, no, honey, that's perfect. I, I really wanted to finish the Brothers Karamazov, so it's great. You know, just like little things like that and, and just funny things about um, dealing with her little daughter and, uh, and and some of the things that kids can say to you that are brutally honest. And uh, it's just very charming. It's just it's slice of life and it's it's just a, a, a lens into different moments of his, her world. But she finds a way to uh, to to make them poignant and funny. And uh, I love her illustration style. It's very clean. I think last time I talked about her, I, I likened it to uh, to what you'd see in a, a fashion design layout where she sketches out a, a, a dress. And, and the lines are very simple, 
Um, but they're but pretty. Everybody in the book is pretty uh, and very very um, expressive facial uh, features, uh, much like you get from all great comic strips. So uh, I thought this was wonderful. Like I said, I I think if you haven't read either, I'd read this first and then read Play Tectonics because uh, it, it, it then you get a chronological journey of her last ten years. But um, but yeah, I've really really enjoyed both of these works. I think she's 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 just terrific at uh, at at expressing what it's like to be a, a a person, a modern adult doing adulting things, especially as a woman. Um, this was uh, published by Self Made Hero. Um, it is uh, in English, I should say. There's a French version, so if you're if you speak French, get the original, but. If you don't, uh, this is by Self Made Hero, and you can get it on Amazon for, um, uh, like, mm, I think like twenty bucks, eighteen, twenty bucks, something like that. So, I think it's twenty five buck uh, cover price. But uh, anyway, it's, it's uh, but I really wanted to be an anthropologist by Margot, which is M A R G A U X Motin M O T I N. Sweet. I feel like I'm on a streak where my inner travels just makes Vince go blank. A little bit, but that's okay. <laughs> it's not. It's not about me. <sighs> right? You love what you love. All right, everybody. Hey, thank you so much for being here with us once again. Come back next time. We hope. In the meantime, if you want more of the EOC experience, go to Facebook and Reddit and Twitter and Instagram. And if you would be so kind, check out our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. In the meantime, say good now. Uh, I'm getting a little cross with this website. Little cross. David. Uh, Wow. No, you're still looking at David. Yeah, yeah. You're looking at the time. Damn. No time to look at. It's uncanny. We're out of here. Tell them you love them. We do love them. That we was only one. That's true. <laughs> Where he must be checking some kind of stats. I'm not checking any stats. <laughs> relax. relax. Bruh, relax. I was talking to the wife, which is never a good thing. Woohoo! Mm. She didn't call me yet. She gave me the evil eye and said that the, 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 the oldest dog needs to go out. <laughs> <I think so. laughs> uh, well, we're out of here. We love you people. <laughs> I was going to say so. Bye. I got my marching orders. <laughs>